My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rose, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 134, episode 134, it's WWE versus WCW. Before we get on to anything else though, it is time for the alternate intro. And we do this every week. You do this every week. You can have a go at this if you want. Do you want to go on the intro I'll let you do it. You sure? I'm fine, you're never going to fucking use it anyway. No, I might, I might use it one day if it's good. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist, but secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime and find other metahumans like me. But I became lost in time. It took everything in my friends' power to bring me back, and in doing so, our world was opened up to new threats, and I'm the only one fast enough to stop them. I am The Flash. And of course, anybody doesn't afford of The Flash and our intro is kind of based off Barry Allen, so that's why my name is James Rowlands. But it's a good alternate intro, intro, and of course we'll have another one next week. So this is our last stop in 1997 this year, and it's been all-out war between the two companies with WCW on top all year in the ratings, and having just signed Bret Hart, what's the WF done? And would all the rats jump the sinking ship? Well, a few days after the Montreal Screwjob at Survivor Series, Rick Rude left the WWF. According to Bret Hart, Rude stayed in the locker room during Bret's confrontation with Vince McMahon after the match in Montreal and later called Eric Bischoff, informing Bischoff that what happened was in fact real. As Rude was not signed to a full-time contract with a W and was insisted on performing on a pay-per-appearance basis, Rude was able to negotiate a deal with Bischoff and WCW in large part due to his anger over the Montreal Screwjob. Well, what we're going to watch has never been done before or since. Rude appeared on both the WF's Roy's War and WCW's Monday Nitro on November 17th, 1997. A mustachioed Rude appeared on Nitro which was and proceeded to criticise Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, DX and the WWF calling the company the Titanic a reference to Titan Sports, as, a, as WWF's parent company was then known as a sinking ship. 24 little hours. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. What's wrong in the world of professional wrestling is Shawn Michaels claiming to be world champion when he never beat Bret Hart. What's wrong 
with the world of professional wrestling is for Vince McMahon to instruct a referee to ring the bell in order to rob Bret Hart of his title. But on the other hand, what's right in the world of professional wrestling is for Bret Hart to abandon the Titanic and swim to the refuge of the NWO. A couple of things I must say quickly. It's incredible to see Rick Rude. It's incredible to think he was literally with the WF on the same night. And he's able to not only join WSW, but say what he wants about them. You know, just imagine that now. Uh, uh, WWE trying to talk about someone from another place. It just wouldn't happen, would it? You know, this is probably why they have that 90 day non-compete clause now. So no one can actually do this anymore. Well, it's also known as the Rick Rude clause. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what do you think of that then, Dan? Um, well, you know, it's certainly a shoot on WWE and... Yeah, you know, it was a bit rude of Rick to do something like that. It's it's, it's genius of Eric Bischoff, and I don't think he gets enough credit for, for being able to take Rick Rude like that and put him straight into the NWO. Of course, you've got Bret Hart coming as well, you know. And he does look on top of the world. You've got Hogan as champion. He's going to face Sting in the biggest match in wrestling in 1997. You've got the, the outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, who seem to be loving life at the moment. And not even Kurt Henning as, you know, US champion. Well, anyway, so like we said, an hour later on Rory's Wall, which had been taped six days earlier, Rude then appeared with the full beard he had been sporting during his last few weeks in the WWF. So, full beard and then clean shaven to prove that Nitro was live. It's time for the Generation X. Hit the music. Rick Rude appeared on both uh, Raw and Nitro on uh, November the 17th. And uh, the uh, it certainly surprised us to to uh, a significant degree because uh, Vince and I had been having ongoing conversations with Rick uh, about a new contract and extending his current working agreement. Uh, we thought we had come to an understanding and were under the impression from talking with him that we had come to an understanding uh, and was in the process of executing the paperwork. Uh, his contract at that time was a short-term contract and had lapsed. So we thought we had the contract extended per our conversations with Rick. And then uh, on uh, a taped version of Raw, he was included. And uh, then he appeared at the same, uh, same night on a live edition of Nitro. So it was uh, a little surprising because we thought we had a deal with him. Well, what's even crazier is Rude also appeared on ECW's Hardcore TV during that weekend. No. <laughs> November the 14th to the 16th, as the show was syndicated differently depending on it. Rude was still making ECW appearances while he was in DX, as the WWF and ECW often cooperated in terms of talent. My God, you, you think about the, the kind of... No one appeared in the free big promotion. I mean... What would that be? I don't think there was an equivalent now. Even if you're in like Ring of Honor and Impact, and it, in the same week, I mean, I can't be done. It won't be done. It won't be done again, will it? You know that is no. Well, you know they've kind of put contracts to stop things like that happening. You know, having shoots like they did 
Um, you know, and the fact that Raw's live, SmackDown's live, I think that, you know, goes against Yes, exactly. Things yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, there's so much content now, whereas this one, you know, same night, and, and Rick Rude managed to do that. And I think it's a moment in time, you know, 20 years ago, you need to credit what Rick Rude, because obviously we haven't really looked at it much wrestling-wise, but just that moment in time, no one has ever done that, being the three, the three main companies, not in just the same year, but the same weekend, you know. Did the WWF have any fight left? Well... Their next pay-per-view was December the 14th, In Your House, Degeneration X. And two men who would go on to define wrestling in the following years met for the very first time. was Degeneration X, December 7th, 1997, from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. 6,358 people were there. And as we can see, it was Degeneration X's new group, and it had basically its own pay-per-view. We'll just go through the results. Well, first off, you had Takamishinoku, and he beat Brian Christopher in a singles match for the inaugural WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, Vince McMahon at this point in time thought, right, the reason why people like Nitro is because of cruiserweights, I'll do that with the light heavyweights. Uh, Takamishinoku, Brian Christopher versus maybe Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio. Not a fair trade-off, but fair, fair play to them. You They're know? trying. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Los Bariquas, and that was Jesus Castillo Jr., Jose Estrada Jr., and Miguel Perez Jr., with Savio Vega, and they defeated the Disciples of Apocalypse, Eight Ball Chains and Skull, in a six-man tag match. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a quick six-man tag match, you know, about eight minutes long, but we saw the gang wars at Survivor Series, so they're still continuing the trend. Again, it's another thing of Vince Man saying, oh, they like... They like gang war, damn it. Up next, you have Butterbean, and he defeated Mark Merrow with Sable by disqualification in a tough man match. So it's basically a boxing match, because Mark Merrow's known for being a Golden Gloves champion. He went against Butterbean, but like I said, stools were thrown, as in the stools <laughs> they sit on <laughs> to end the match. Well, that bad. <clears throat> yeah. You had the New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and Road Dog. And they defeated Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk by disqualification in a tag team match for the WWF Championships. Yeah, this was kind of a turning point for the New Age Outlaws now, and Legion of Doom were basically on their last run, yeah. And another member of D-Generation X, you had Triple H with China in his corner, and he defeated Sergeant Slaughter in a boot camp match. So anything goes, and Sergeant Slaughter was commissioner at the time, Triple H has always disrespected Sergeant Slaughter with the, you know, the mask and spitting and everything like this. They finally had a match with Triple H, got the win. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw this. And I, rem- I, I, I honestly, it's so weird, this next match. Well, Jeff Jarrett <laughs> defeated The Undertaker by disqualification in a singles match. It is. It's, hang on a minute. We'll see if I got it. Because Jeff Jarrett looks like a complete and utter fucking tool in this match. Like, even worse than you think. Look at Jeff Jarrett. What he looks he like an idiot. What is he wearing? You can see DX sign, but not really gone into much, you know, care about the arena as well. The lights oh. have gone out. Who could it be? <laughs> 20 years later, he's still burying talent. I know. Well, the Undertaker will not put his hands on Kane. Trying to prompt Kane to attack Undertaker. Uh-oh. And Kane grabs Jarrett by the throat. Choke slams him straight to hell. Oh, my God. Well, will the Undertaker and Kane face each other? Undertaker said he will not do it. Oh, look at Jeff Jarrett. Fair play to him. And from on his back, the Undertaker gets Jarrett round the throat. Oh. Botched chokeslam. Yep. So would this young rock be successful against the Intercontinental Champion Steve Austin? First time meeting of these two men here on pay-per-view. 
And I think the build-up video is one of my favourite ones as well. So early on in this feud, we'll get onto the feud in a second. Stone Cold became embroiled in a heated rivalry with Owen Hart. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was the man that pinned his shoulders to the mat for one, two, three. Austin wanted Owen one-on-one -on -one for his Intercontinental title, which the champion agreed to under one condition. At SummerSlam, when he pins me one, two, three, if that happens, he can pull down his trunks, bend over, and I'll kiss him right on his ass. Austin will have to be a man of his word if he loses the match. Owen Hart, he'll kiss his derriere. I'll kiss his ass if I can't kick it, and that's the way it's going to be. In an instant, Austin's career had changed forever at the hands of Owen Hart. Despite his championship win, Austin's severe neck injury would cause him to relinquish his tag team and intercontinental titles. But not even a career-threatening injury would keep the rattlesnake down. What is this? Austin is scheduled to present the winner of the intercontinental title belt. Owen Hart and Peru. Oh, spinebuster! Nobody home. Helping Owen Hart win the Intercontinental title, Austin secured himself a championship rematch against the man who sidelined him. The match is underway. The Intercontinental title is on the line. Austin got vengeance and his Intercontinental championship back until... is calling all the shots on this one. Why? Because I'm the champ, and I got it like that. Who's doing that, Rock? Rocky, I'm calling all the shots. I'm pushing all the buttons. You know your ass belongs to Stone Cold. Stone Cold is up with a tether hook ass on Rocky Mountain Can you imagine what it's going to be like? The Intercontinental title on the line. And we've seen The Rock join the nation. And when it's changing, he brought success to him, isn't it? In a kind of chat title that he stole from Austin. The Rock, Rocky Maivia. <laughs> so he was getting the same reception that Roman Reigns gets, or was getting until he rejoined the Shield. And this is the thing, that's why they turned the Rock Hill for, because it was the only way that like, he was ever going to be successful. There is pure hatred for The Rock right now. <laughs> I don't get why they hate him, though. Because <laughs> he's a blue chipper they think was handed stuff, I guess. I didn't think he had any talent, but look how he turned it round. Oh, here comes Steve Austin. Coming down to the ring the only way he knows how. <laughs> in a pickup truck. Well, Austin's here. Austin now on the roof of the pickup truck. Off the bonnet, straight into the ring. Oh, hey, Rock's gone off him. Here we go. Rock and Austin. Never before, never again. <laughs> no. So look, it's stumbling a mud hole and the rest of the nation <laughs> come in. Well, the match hasn't officially started yet. Now you've got Karma, D'Lo and Farouk. And now Steve Austin might be in serious trouble. Well, they've got some payback to give Austin after being stunned. He stunned each and every one of them. 
Well, this is a problem about being by yourself. Don't trust anyone, Steve, but at the moment, you're fighting an uphill battle. They're checking on Rock, make sure he's all right. And it looks like Dino's going to hit Austin. Oh! Oh! <laughs> he gets chucked over Austin's shoulder straight through the windshield of the truck. Oh, on the roof! <laughs> Stanner on the roof of the pickup truck. Oh, Dino down! Dino down! The rest of the nation going to check on Dino Brown. Oh, but the rock laying a smack down on Steve Austin. <laughs> Austin ain't even got his vest off yet. And the rock has been all over in this match. Oh, now both men trading blows in the middle of the ring. They had the punches back then, didn't they? Yeah. Lou Fest pressed by Austin, takes him down. Oh, well, the rock turns into a pin. Austin kicking out. Oh, turning it into a pin. The rock managing to kick out. Ah, rock managing to reverse Irish whip now. Oh, and the rock throws Austin out over the top. Oh, now for Rook from behind. And Karma as well, it's not fair. And the referee's not seeing this. Oh, right, now they are. Yeah, referee Delo's still unconscious on the uh, roof of the car. And Austin's why... still not got his vest off. No, I don't know why the referee's not doing anything about it. Farouk is holding Austin. Karma with a chair. <laughs> oh, Karma hits Farouk over the head with a chair and gets Irish whipped <laughs> into the pickup truck and lands on top of Farouk. That's all three members of the nation down. Goes into the ring to get back at Rock, but the Rock just stomping a mud in Austin. And he took his eye off the ball and it gave the Rock the chance to recover. Oh, this has been a brutal match already and the Rock getting the booze. Oh, now the Rock. What's he going to go for? And a low blow by the Rock and the referee was distracted by Karma Mustafa. Oh, the Rock threatening to hit Mike Kyoda. He's just laying out Austin with right hands. Austin pulling himself up to a vertical base though, but the Rock carrying on the beat down. Oh, no, Austin turns it around, gets the rock in the corner. Oh, I thought he was going to go for a rock bottom then. Goes for the slam on Steve Austin. Oh, bounces the ropes, looking to drop the most electrifying move in sports entertainment history. Well, it's... One, two... Oh! oh, But Austin managing to kick out. Ah, So it's a nation's elbow at the moment. He's going to try and slow this down, work Steve Austin, who is wearing his vest, I think, for the the rest of the match now. Trying to fight the rock out with this. Shoulder block by Austin, but the Rock, oh, got the knee, and there's D-Lo, look, he's all right. In the back of the truck, <laughs> yeah. sleeping it off. Another slam. Oh, now this time he's taking the elbow pad off, he's going to give him a proper... He's put the fingers up to Steve Austin as well. Proper nation's elbow. Here we go. Oh, oh Austin moves out of the way, though. <laughs> Big right hand knocks the Rock down. And again, and now the Rock back to his feet. Sent back, and now Austin stomping the mud hole and walking it dry. Rock reversing an Irish whip attempt. Austin, oh, looking for the stunner, but Mustafa back up on the apron, gets knocked down as quickly as he got up. Oh, and he stunned the referee. <laughs> he thought the Rock was behind him. Oh, and the Rock reaching into his trunks, getting a set of brass knucks. Oh, no. Austin can't see it. Gets Blocked by Austin. Hits the stunner. <laughs> He's got the cover, but there's no referee. Oh! There was a referee. Came out of nowhere. And no, Dan. Only RKO comes out of nowhere. The referee came from the back to count the fall. Steve Austin's still the IC champion. And even though it was a quick match, is he finally going to take his best stuff afterwards? <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, great match, wasn't it, really? It was a bloody good match. And it's, uh, you know, you can certainly see why the Ross to happened you know it was a really hot thing and it remained to be hot for the next what four or five years well yeah exactly you know we talk about that i mean this was december 5th at dx 
And we talk about the next date and time we're going to look at is December 15th. So a week later. Yeah, so Steve Austin, like you said, one of the most legendary feuds wrestling has ever seen. He's also one of those feuds that features some really good and entertaining matches, but it's probably better known for segments, prime overall moments shared between the two. One of the most memorable moments they ever had was on this cold December night. If you think for one split second that you can strip this title from Stone Cold Steve Austin, take it from my hands right now and I'll knock your damn teeth out. I don't think they're real anyway, but I don't, I don't think McMahon would like to lose them. What I will do, Vince, because I done been the Intercontinental Champion, I done been the Tag Team Champions, hell son, there ain't but one belt in the Federation that I'm interested in, and that's the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt. Hear that, Shawn Michaels? So what I'm going to do, Rock, is I'm going to forfeit the damn title to you tonight. What? Because I got bigger fish to fry. So go ahead and take the damn thing because I don't want it no more. Rocky's somewhat apprehensive. Take it. Huh? Take it. Apparently, take it. Apparently the Rock is a new... Ladies and gentlemen. Shut up. Shake my hand, champ. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Trust me, champ. This is only up and up. You Trust can... the snake. Congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen, the new Intercontinental Champion, The Rock. Now, this is a shocker. You ain't lying. Second time The Rock has been Intercontinental. Whoa! Austin Stone Cold! DTA, Rock. Don't trust anybody. There's your little Intercontinental Champion laying right there on his ass. You talk about your TV ratings. You send the camera crew with me because Steve Austin's got plans for the belt and it ain't got a damn thing to do with wrestling. All you got to do is tune in next week. Same Stone Cold time, same Stone Cold channel. Well, as you can see, it's a beautiful night. You got the moon shining bright up there. You got the cars going back and forth over there. But you ain't got no one on this bridge but Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Intercontinental Championship belt. Rock, when I gave this belt to you, I did just that. You didn't have to earn a damn thing. Well, tonight, son, if you want to find it, I got a few things that I'm going to give you first. If you're going to find it, you're going to need a few objects. You're going to need, you're going to need your little mask so that you can see under the water. You're going to need your little snorkel. Hell, son, you might even need a regulator because you're going to have to go deep. So I got you it's a little oxygen tank, and I really doubt there's any oxygen in the damn thing. But nonetheless, there, there the damn thing is. And I tell you what, Rock... Take your little flippers because you probably can't swim worth a damn either. Here's a cell phone. When you find the damn thing, dial my number. And here's the pager. When you dial me, tell me you found your little belt. I'll page you back, put the 316, and give you the big thumbs up. Right? You're the biggest piece of trash I ever saw. It hurts me to do this, but I really don't give a damn about you or the W. So I'll see you a little belt later. Oh, my. No! There goes the belt! And that's the bottom line because the 316 sets up. You piece of trash. Let him swim out there and find a damn thing. If he's lucky, he'll find it. If he don't, maybe he'll drown. I really don't give a damn what he does. Austin has done it again. He's defied authority. The Intercontinental title is sweeping where the fish is tonight. And Rocky's got a good swim in front of him if he ever expects to get it back. On Raw, Vince McMahon demanded that Austin defend the title against The Rock again. 
but Austin wasn't exactly feeling like doing what Vince told him to do. Surprise, surprise. He said that he's going to forfeit the title to The Rock because he wants to go after the WWF title instead. After he hands the belt over, he delivers a stunner to The Rock, steals the belt and says, wait a week to see what his next move is. The following week, Austin would appear on a bridge somewhere near Raw's host city for the week, Durham, New Hampshire. He proceeded to cut a great promo telling The Rock if he wanted his title, he would have to take some things to find it. A mask, snorkel, oxygen tank, flippers, and then a pager to let Austin know when he found it. And then he throws the title belt from a bridge into the icy cold water below. It made for incredible television, and it made you want to continue tuning in to see what would come next, which is the entire point. Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible moment, isn't it? And it's been something that's been trying to be replicated over the years, but that was the first time someone threw a title belt into a river, and who better than Austin? Bit weird that he just handed the Rock the IC title, because at that moment in time, Austin didn't want to lose clean. Do you think that was the right move for the Steve Austin character, or do you think he should have just... You know, got pinned by the rock under shady circumstances. Well, uh, uh, the way he relinquished the title, I don't give a damn about you, I don't give a damn about the W. I think that was the right thing to do. Right, yeah. You know, with the way he relinquished the title, and, it, well, you know, he didn't give it up easy. He gave it to him, stole it back off him, and said, look, wait till next week to find out what I'm going to do with the damn belt. Throws it in an icy cold river and, you know, delivers a great promo along with it. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're exactly right. But look at, we talk a lot about Hogan or other wrestlers like this, you know, taking the spotlight for themselves. We'll see if Austin, who's been accused of sometimes doing this, and that's what we're going to look at. But, yeah, like I said, it makes you want to watch, see what Steve Austin does. Because driving down to the ring, you know, <laughs> in a pickup truck and being mental and all these little skits is interesting. And and I think the thing with The Undertaker and Kane as well. You finally see Kane after all this build-up. And you want to see what happens between the two eventually. The very same night, over in WCW, Bret Hart made his WCW debut. Hart's three-year contract with WCW included a salary of £2.5 million per year a one million annual increase from his WF contract, as well as a light schedule and a measure of creative control over his television character. Due to a 60-day no-compete clause for the WF, he couldn't wrestle yet. Well, at Starcade, Eric Bischoff was scheduled to face Larry Zbysko, but he couldn't agree on the referee, so acting president J.J. Dillon is in the ring to make a decision about it. It's your favourite Mean Gene Oakland as well. Would you like to meet who I've picked? Right now! Right now? Right now! Me, Gene, why don't we bring the man out that's going to referee this match? Okay. It's me. Oh! There he is! Ladies and gentlemen! There he is! The referee, Brett the Hitman Hart, has arrived to Nitro! JJ do that. Let's wait and see. Eric loves it. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. No doubt about it, he is here. One of the biggest moments in Nitro. One of the biggest stars in our sport. This is getting to be more like let's make a deal, and apparently this is... Uh, That's my choice. Kosher with all parties concerned. Bret Hart, welcome to Nitro. Welcome to Nitro. time to get here and it's great to be here it's 
great to be in Ric Flair country. This is it. That's the magic. So if you're looking for a referee, is that what you want? Referee. I would be honored to be the referee for this match. <laughs> is, this, is this the right way to use him, you know? It's a, it's a way to not get, you know, he's obviously not going to be wrestling, but should they just wait till he was ready to wrestle to put him in a match or? They should have done really, but, you know, they want to introduce him. They want to get WWF fans of Bret Hart's tuning over as quickly as they can. So, you know, they're going to showcase him at the first opportune moment. I mean, it's crazy to think we've seen him make his debut and he flick over the voice, see Austin throwing the title belt into the river, you know? It's great television at this time. Same outfit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so close. Oh, there we go. Bret Hart makes his debut. I mean, what do you think of that, Dan? Um, again, you know, a, a shot at Vince, even though it wasn't as highbrow as Rick Rude. He just says that I know what it's like to be screwed over by a referee. He wasn't taking, you know, well, he was taking shots, but he didn't mention anyone in particular, which was, you know, it, I think that was probably the better way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I think a bit classy by Brett, wasn't it, not to have a direct shot. And he's going to be involved, like we said, refereeing the match between Bischoff and Larry Zabisco. He's going to be a special referee. We've still got Starcade 1997 to watch here on this podcast with Hogan versus Sting. But before we do, like we said, Brett was viewed as one of the final pieces of the puzzle by Eric Bischoff. Well, Brett was viewed as one of the final pieces of the puzzle by Eric Bischoff. In Bischoff's mind, there was no way Vince McMahon could recover from losing all these major stars. And the guy started telling people internally that WWF was done. McMahon's company didn't have a successful 97. WrestleMania had been a flop. And even the Royal Rumble was heavily pampered by free tickets to fill out the monstrous Alamo Dome. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock had emerged as stars towards the end of the year, but there was a major financial problem facing the WF as they headed into 1998. In the mind of Eric Bischoff, this meant it was only a matter of time before McMahon went out of business. Names such as Bret Hart and Kevin Nash had previously stated in interviews that Bischoff was 100% certain WWE's only competition was the NWO. That shows the mindset prevalent in the company at that time. So three things about WWE in 1997, Dan. Well, ever since the New World Order had formed at Bash at the Beach 96, the group was positioned to look significantly superior to WCW. Long-time fans of the company had been conditioned to think that WCW sucked, while the NWO was where it was at. There was only one wrestler strong enough to combat this mindset, and he was surely going to set things right at Starcade 97. Eric Bischoff and his booking staff showed how remarkable restraint by not throwing away Hogan versus Sting earlier in the year. The plan had to be adhered to. Sting was going to put NWO in their place at Starcade in December. Due to this incredibly well-told story, Starcade 97 was the biggest wrestling pay-per-view of the year. Bigger than anything else WCW had presented, and even bigger than WrestleMania. Starcade 97 pulled in a colossal 1.9 buy rate. The biggest in WCW history... Yeah, I mean, and you talk about that number. I mean, nowadays, UFC, if they got a 1.9 buy rate on a, on a pay-per-view, it, it would be one of the most success, probably the most successful uh, 
pay-per-view of the year. And it showed the power of WCW right in 1997 as well, where you said that never before did, could they challenge WrestleMania. Now, it was the bigger story. And uh, as we look into Starcade, that's what we'll see. But on the final episode of Monday Nitro before Starcade 1997, WCW tried something drastically. For quite some time, the company had viewed the NWO as more marketable than the World Championship Wrestling. That was clear by the fact the group was always booked more strongly, not to mention the organisation had tried to promote a pay-per-view in January solely about the NWO. Just days before Sting challenged the head of the NWO, Hollywood Hogan for the WWE World title, Nitro was turned upside down. For most of the show, the NWO reigned supreme and made it clear that the show was no longer WWE Monday Nitro. There was even a new set design, new graphics paid for, and the grand plan was to rename the programme NWO Monday Nitro. There was one major problem, major major problem, problem with this idea. The NWO was still supposed to be hills. Sure, there would be corn hip, but they could only last so long. Perhaps Bischoff and crew were just trying to annoy fans enough before Starcade so that people would tune in to see Sting destroy Hogan, but it all felt forced. In the WWF of the 1980s and early 90s, Hogan's merchandise had been the big seller. Other performers had t-shirts and other items, but it was Hulkamania that kept people busy at the merch stores. By 97, Hogan was a hot ticket again, this time due to his association with the NWO. Unlike the WWF, it wasn't only Hulk that shifted a ton of merchandise. Other wrestlers such as Sting, The Outsiders, Goldberg and The Four Horsemen were all big sellers. Along with the general stuff, general stuff, like t-shirts, phone fingers and posters, WCW also stocked keychains, teddy bears and even Halloween costumes. The company was on fire and merchandise was flying out of the warehouses quicker than WCW could get more in. According to Bischoff, it wasn't uncommon for WCW to be out of stock on items because they genuinely didn't realise how fast they'd sell. In particular, New World Order merchandise was the most popular. The trademark NWO t-shirt featuring a simple logo sold by the truckload. Once he started appearing as the crow, Sting's black and white masks were also popular. So if you look at those three things, it just shows WCW was the top company in everything, wasn't it? You know, it oh, was... Yeah. Bigger pay views, bigger TV ratings. Like I had the biggest uh, TV rating of the year, like I said, 5 million people watching. You had nearly 2 million people tuning in for the pay per views. You sold all this merchandise where you were basically leaving the stock out of the warehouses. And this is what it is. And it all built up to this. And I think this is the real tipping point now. You didn't even talk about moments in time. This has got a payoff. It's the biggest event of WSW this year, it's the biggest event of wrestling. WSW Starcade 1997, and that is what we're going to watch next. So yeah, it's time for Starcade 
1997. What was the tagline for the event, Dan? The tagline was, Hogan's a colourful guy, nightmares, black and white. Paybacks are hell. Well, it's December 28th, 1997 from the MCI Centre, Washington, D.C. We've just seen the opening promo. Dan, what have you thought of the build-up to this? What do you think of the video? It's a very long, it's been a very long build-up to this. You know, they didn't waste it on like you know any old pay-per-view and the video i thought it was it was quite good you know it's sting in black well in in a and he jumps down from a window ledge stands on a picture of hogan and picks up a baseball bat just as sting should do yeah exactly and he's been stalking hogan and the nwo for a year in the rafters and as tony Schiavone said it's the biggest event in wsw history everybody's been waiting to see sting get his hands on hogan and we will here tonight we've been following it all year haven't we on the WNR podcast and i gotta say it's uh it's really really fun and on commentary dan we have dusty Rhodes, tony Schiavone, and mike tanay yeah they're here to call the action throughout the night which should be like it's it's, it's bigger than wrestlemania it's a granddaddy of them all star case started way back in 1983 and we, like i said we've been following it all year we last in wcw and halloween havoc which I thought wasn't a bad pay-per-view. I think the main awful, weren't they? So hopefully here on this one, we can have a, a, a better couple of main event matches. So yeah, big main event match, Sting versus Hollywood Hogan. And what other matches we got to look forward to, Dan? We've got Lex Luger against the NWO's Buff Bagwell. We've got Kurt Hennig defending his WCW, championship, uh, WCW United States Championship against DDP. We've got the kind of a grudge match between Larry Zabisco and Eric Bischoff with Bret Hart as a special guest referee. And of course, the match you mentioned, Sting going against Hollywood Hogan for the WCW Championship. Yeah, I mean, this is the night of all nights for WCW in the history. We, we've been building up to it all year. WCW is the number one ocean in the world and their number one event. It, can it deliver here tonight? I mean, just funny for that card, we've got some great stars that are going to be seen here tonight. Let's hope they can deliver in the ring, you know? Most definitely, yeah. And what I want to point out, Goldberg, like I said, his very first star cave. We saw his debut back in September, and now only three months later, he's in his first star cave match. Really big successful here against uh, the modern day, well, the, the last, what can I say? Basically the mojo of WCW, <laughs> Steve McMichael. Mongo. Mongo, I fucking hated Mongo. The thing I like about Mongo it, and Mojo. Yeah, I know, I hate N- them. N- begins in M, ends in O, James hates them. Well, the one thing is as well, is that with WCW, it's, you know, even though I might have watched it once, this is still new to me, and it's good to mock it, you know, even with the WWF, the WWE stuff, I take quite seriously, but with this stuff, okay, it's then. awful, it's horrible. Okay then, right, so, going by that, Judging by what you've seen from this past year, if we're going to do a WWE star thing, who would you love and who would you hate? Who would be who would be your guy watching at this time? Well, in 1997, oh, fucking hell, that's a difficult one. That is a difficult one. I was quite weird when I was growing up as well. Who I like? You're still quite weird. I'm James, still quite to weird. Be fair. Now, who I like? <coughs> uh, <laughs> who doesn't? Who does yours be? Mine's Goldberg. Yeah. You know. Well, point. Uh, beforehand, it probably would have been Chris Jericho. Yeah, that's where that's going fair, up yeah. to this. But you know, after seeing him for the first time, Goldberg, he took my heart. Again, at this point, DDP was one of my favourites. Yeah, and who did I hate? I wasn't a fan of Scott Norton. No, Scott Norton. I don't. 
I still don't get him. I don't know why he's uh, there for. Of course, Stephen Michael's pretty useless, but I mean, WSW, there is stuff to like. You know, the whole NWO thing, I've always been a. a it was, uh, for me, it was so cool. And to bring a cool factor into wrestling is a really difficult thing because you still get people nowadays who think wrestling's, you know what I mean, a bit silly or even a bit childish. But the, these kind of guys that we're, we're seeing here. It carries the. Eddie Guerrero carries about how Roman Reigns carries it now. Yeah, <laughs> does that attribute to him. Uh, oh. Well, we are arguing with the Cruiserweight title on the line. And what a great match this should be. Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. The man of a thousand moves. Exactly, versus Latino well, Heat. A million moves. And uh, Guerrero, we saw him have a fantastic match with Rey Mysterio back in Halloween Havoc. And of course, we're going to have a look at five certain things. We're going to look at um, the setting of the the whole thing and what setting looks like, including the rings and the entranceway. Dan, correctly referee as well. Charles Robinson. Yeah. Mini Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! We've got the roster. We've got the promo. We're going to watch the matches and, of course, the overall rating at the end. But let's start off quickly in Guerrero there. Front waist lock, dropping uh, Malenko to the mat, but Malenko's out wrestling ben, uh, Benoit, out wrestling Guerrero to start with. Well, Dean Malenko's fantastic. What we've seen this year of him in WCW, always there, uh, part of main event storylines, of course, for the Four Horsemen, and Eddie Guerrero constantly delivering. I can't say how much. I'm just a huge fan of Eddie, and it's great to see these two guys actually having a chance to prove. You know, what I mean, that, to go back in history and watch. <laughs> Just well, two, I suppose when Malenko went over to WWF or WWE, I don't think he was appreciated or utilised as well as he could have been. Yeah. I mean, he had the light heavyweight championship for what seemed to me like an eternity. <laughs> but I, I don't know, he was just, I don't think he was utilised the way he was on WCW. No, but, but I think the thing is with it, Dean Malenko as well, was the fact of, yeah, he's a great technical wrestler, but his gimmick was like an ice man, which was kind of, didn't talk a lot and didn't show much personality. And of course, but did you hear his voice? Yeah. He had a bit of a quiet one. <laughs> when you go to the WWE, they kind of expect a bit of character. And even Eddie yeah. Guerrero um, kind of turned that up a little bit, didn't he? When he when he went over there, and even someone like Chris Benoit, you know, more rabid Wolverine and, and stuff like this. I'm going to try and talk about it as long as I can because he's a knight. But we're going to keep a lookout on the roster as well because at this moment in time, <laughs> and what, uh, what what we've seen, I think WWE. Definitely has the stronger roster, and to not utilize them properly, you know, it is great to see him, but you want him moving up the card, you know what I mean? Like, you want to see Guerrero and Malenko fight for the cruiserweight and then maybe moving on to the US, you know, and then finally, eventually, go for world title. But Eddie Guerrero tried to walk the ropes there with Malenko, got caught in a powerbomb. This might be it. Oh, Ben, uh, Ben, fucking hell, Guerrero <laughs> managing to kick out. Uh. And the power of uh, Malenko there. Oh. Just carry deadlifting Eddie Guerrero. And then Alabama slam onto the mat. Wow. What, what? Oh, Malenko now jumping over, getting a pin. This is classic wrestling. Look at Guerrero managing to power up. Oh, get, looking for a backslide. But Malenko managing to turn out of that. Oh. And a Randy Orton-esque power slam there from Malenko. Goes for the cover. But again, Guerrero managing to kick out. Ah. And Eddie Guerrero slaps the canvas. Can't believe frustration saying to Malenko, come on. But I think, um, especially from this point, you know, from the 96, 97 onwards, I think, like, you know, the cruiserweights had their own. And, you know, it was only certain wrestlers going for the heavyweight championship. The US championship was mainly kept 
in the uh, in like the NWO. Yeah, no, no, I know exactly. But this is, I think, the problem is we're going to see develop with WSW is that they're going to have like your eight main eventers, whoever it is, but they keep using them, so it's never fresh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what we're already seeing in 1997 from WWF, the Kane's debut. Now he's a new star coming through. You know, you got kind of the Rocky Maivia, that kind of confident guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's choking to death. Right, we got to stop the podcast. Dan is dead. <laughs> How Dan died live for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I come back rich. I don't know what I'm saying. But yes, as you as you were saying, you know the uh, WCW's kind of getting stale. They're using the same thing over and over again. The WWF or WWE of They've kind of like refreshed their roster, you know, after losing. It's kind of like NXT. After losing all their talent, uh, they've jumped ship to WCW. Yes, you know, exactly, yeah. WWE is like, well, you know, we're, we're, they've kind of brought Austin into life. They brought The Rock into life. They brought Kane into things, exactly, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's kind of... Triple H with Phil Mike as well and DX, aren't they? Indeed, so. you know. Triple H is going to become a multiple-time heavyweight champion. Yeah. Michaels is going to have... A brilliant career after this. You know, he's already had a good career. It's kind of been s- soured by Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, you yeah. know, I think he uh, he makes his way out of it shining, really. Yeah, I know. And I think now I can exclusively announce that the next superstar profile will do will be, in fact, Shawn Michaels. But from his career, from his debut up until 1998, where we'll see his last match... And then we'll come back to John Michaels later on in his career as well. So 2002 at exactly, we'll, we'll follow on from that afterwards. So that's good for something that happened in the new year. Everybody can look forward to. And we should really go back to this match because it's been a cracking match between Malenko and Guerrero. It has. It's, uh, it's, there's been a lot of back and forth, a lot of near falls. Both men trying to out-wrestle the other. And a nice snapmare takeover, and uh, Malenko's trying to slow it down a bit. It's just a thing because uh, Guerrero, you know, very heelish in his matches against Mysterio, but seems to be on a kind of face side at this moment in time. Malenko just wrestles uh, exactly the same no matter where he goes. He's so uh, kind of technical proficient like that, wearing him down. If you look at modern day guys, someone like Drew Goulet's kind of old style about him, you know, that Dean Malenko kind of brings to the sport. And like you said earlier, not being probably utilised properly in WWE, but strangely enough, he's always part, um, part of the backstage team now, isn't he? You know, like the road agents and Definitely, stuff. Definitely, so. yeah. Do you think, um, you know, both of these guys, do you reckon if they'd have been as they are now, like, you know, from this age in WWE, do you reckon they'd have made it big? I think they probably would have been on 205 Live. I think Malenko would have been a top 205 live, yes. I don't think he would have got any further because of his size. I think Guerrero, no matter where you put him in a generation, he would eventually become who he became, you know, because he was so talented. He was a guy that could go out there. And uh, I, I could definitely see him in, even in main events to this day, do you know what I mean? Well, kind of one way he Mike, was. oh, he's Eddie Guerrero's <laughs> kissing the boot of Dean Malenko and offering his hand. Yeah, see, he's a coward. <laughs> he's a coward, telling the fans to shut up. Through the match. <laughs> yeah, he's saying, I promise I won't hurt you. Oh. And Malenko responds with a drop kick. He's not having any of Guerrero's BS. That's not fair. And Guerrero now trying to get out of the ring. But do you think Eddie Guerrero's kind of like a, an early day Daniel Bryan? Oh, I think most definitely, yeah. Exactly that kind of underdog 
but the great thing about Guerrero, lovable underdog, lovable underdog. But Guerrero's managed to play. He's managed to get people to hate you, and he managed to get people to love you. And and there's not many that that could do that. And, and Guerrero, if you, if, if you throw in that and his in ring talent as well, you know, I think Guerrero's always going to be on top. It's just a shame that it went so soon. You know, even if yeah. we look back on that, because he would have become a multiple time WWE champion, especially in the years that came. You know, it's like someone like yeah. I don't want to talk about go on to a different subject, but anyway, now Malenko and Guerrero <laughs> linking up, and Malenko's showing he can AD at the moment. Completely missed his fingers, but we we just brush over that. Yeah, stop right on his fingers there and <laughs> kicked him in the face. Oh, but that's just fired Guerrero up, who's shoved Malenko into a corner and shoulder barging him straight into the midsection. Now Guerrero's. Got him in a front face lock and he's trying to climb the ropes. Oh, look what he's going to do. Oh. oh, looking for a tornado DDT, but Malenko threw him off. Oh. Put Guerrero over his, over the top of him and face first into the turnbuckle and a lovely backdrop. And that is beautiful. Now, oh. Two count from Malenko. Two. Dean with the elbow to Eddie. Go the Irish rip, but Guerrero versus kick to the gut. Is he going to try and look to put Malenko down, but... Dean's not really been troubled so far in this match. Well, was Eddie Guerrero looking for the three amigos? And Malenko's got Eddie. Oh. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> and Eddie manages to make his way down on the outside of the ring apron and just snaps the back of Malenko's head off the top ring rope. Malenko's face first on the mat and Guerrero's working over Malenko's leg now. Yeah, straight away, wasn't he? Now back up on the apron, kicking Malenko on the head. Oh, jumping from the outside of the ring, back in, landing on the head, and then from the inside to the outside, and just putting pressure on that knee that he's starting to work over. And now Guerrero moving the steps, so he's got more space. Introducing Malenko head first to the turnbuckle, uh, to the ring post. Now he's looking to wrap his leg round. Now trying to, yeah, take him down, and uh, it wasn't the nicest looking move, but it was effective, swinging his leg against the ring steps. Uh, gets the ring post, and now he's got the ring steps. Oh, and his legs <laughs> sandwiched in between the steps and the post, and Guerrero just drop kicks the ring steps. That, that's not a disqualification, though, is it? No, because... Eddie hit the steps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it worked his favour. Now Charles Robson on the outside. And Guerrero <laughs> still taking time to mock the crowd. <laughs> Call him a moron. So with Eddie Guerrero, I've been one of your favourites from... Yeah, I think Guerrero, yeah. From, uh, oh, um, Mysterio's in the crowd, and he had a great match against uh, Guerrero last month. Yes, and we've seen a lot of WSAT talent. We've seen Booker T, Steve Ray, uh, Old Dragon earlier as well, in the crowd watching what's happening, because, of course, tonight Sting represents WSW, gets a fight with the NWO. Of course, they might be interested in this... I think Ray Mysterio would be one of those that I've really liked as well because it was like a, a superhero come to life in a way. Flew, I mean, Mysterio, I've not seen it since either the way Mysterio managed to fly about the ring. No. And Guerrero now with a powerbomb to Dean Malenko. Had the cover, but Malenko managing to kick out. Ah. Guerrero showing his tools from the famous Guerrero family. And Malenko's, of course, from the famous Malenko family. Yeah, exactly. Boris Malenko, but... Oh! Oh, brilliant move, like a wheelbarrow. Went down and then just lifted him straight over his shoulder, slamming Guerrero back of his head into the mat. And um, Link go for the pin. Got Guerrero, but oh, Ooh. shoulder, shoulder up at two. Guerrero going for the kick. Malenko catches him, throws him back in the corner. Eddie got the elbow. Oh, Malenko managing to spin Eddie Guerrero round and like a side breaker. 
Goes Ooh. for the cover, but Guerrero again managing to kick out. Ah, a lot of near falls in this match and what you would expect. And Guerrero looking to have it taken out of him a little bit. And he seems like a bit robotic, I know, but taking out Eddie Guerrero just systematically, you know, piece by piece. Blinker doesn't seem that tired. Eddie Guerrero looks like he's been through it. <laughs> yeah. Forwards Fro- and backwards. Throwing Guerrero into the turnbuckle, but Eddie managed to try to rip him. Well, Blinko looking to follow up with a big forearm, but Guerrero blocks it and delivers one of his own. Now Dino blocks Eddie from going up to the top rope. Oh, oh now he's meeting him. Oh, my God. Both men in a precarious position. I think Guerrero realises that. Oh, Guerrero trying to fight out. I think he's trying to... What's he trying to turn it into? Maybe a hurricane runner. Uh-oh. But Malenko's got hold of his trunks. Pushes Eddie off. <laughs> I don't know who got the worst of that one. I oh, think Eddie. Guerrero, yeah, hit his face. And also his, the way his knees kind of buckled under him. And now Dean Malenko going to try and roll him up. Eddie Guerrero unable to kick out. Uh. But manages to get his arm to the bottom rope. And that showing experience to know where he is in the ring of all times. Now Malenko going to try and finish Guerrero off. Oh, slams him down with a powerbomb. Not going for the cover, though. Is that a mistake by Malenko? Well, I think he might be going for his, um, going for the Texas Cloverleaf, but Guerrero kicking off Malenko. Eddie Guerrero looking to drop kick Malenko, but he sidesteps and Eddie Guerrero lands on the outside of the ring. Eddie back on the apron and all his shoulder to the injured knee of Dean Malenko, and now Eddie to the top. Oh, oh, missile drop kick to the bad knee of Malenko. And that was fantastic by Eddie. Now no, he's going up top. As quick as a flash. Oh, oh, hit the frog splash. Did he land most of his weight on that leg? I think he got it. Guerrero. Three. Yes. And Eddie Guerrero picking up the victory and retaining his Cruiserweight Championship. Fantastic there by Eddie Guerrero. Managing to use the engineers as an advantage for Malenko. Hitting the frog splash. That's it. Getting a pin. And uh, I really enjoyed that, Dan. What are your thoughts? It was a bloody great match, yeah. A lot of back and forth. A match could have gone either way. Uh, and you see, you know, Eddie Guerrero earlier working over the leg and it comes into play in the finish of the match, which is good. You know, it's kind of not wasted the effort of what Eddie done earlier on. Yeah, I know. And uh, it's a great way to start because, you know, if you're tuning in to see Sting Hogan and you, you see this, you think, but my God, these two guys work their asses off here tonight. And a great way to start off what is the biggest event of night 97. Let's hope the night can continue like this. So up next was meant to be what was going to be a great match with Kevin Nash Giant. But actually never took fucking place. Kevin Nash vs. the Giant was officially announced in the December 8th edition of Nitro. With pre-recorded comments from Nash airing claiming he was the one true giant for challenging the Giant to a match at Starcade. Nash claimed Giant was a one-dimensional wrestler and his chokeslam was useless due to the outsiders repeatedly breaking his hands. Moments later, Giant came to the ring and told Gene Oakland he'd see Nash at Starcade and was bringing a chokeslam with him. We'd had this and we'd seen Nash talking, didn't we, on Nitro yeah. about the Giant. So this is the kind of the first maybe little bit of a disappointment. Well, I'd say major disappointment. Major, major disappointment. disappointment. Nash com- is not here. Yeah, that's what Shivani's telling us. The reason why this promo takes so long is because he talks really (laughs) slowly. Who's here to see NWO? Apparently, in playing WSW, Scott and Kevin Nash have since said that their contract went to whatever (laughs) their contract went to the height whatever person did. So when Bret Hart signed his signed the contract WSW, they got paid the same as Bret Hart, 
apparently they had control of what they could do. And they wanted the Giant to beat Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash basically said, look, I'm not even going to show up now because I don't want to lose. And so you can already see a match that would, you know, a Giant versus the Giant, basically, would cause interest. Yeah. And already kind of politics. And now Scott Hall's out here. Well, they already had Kevin Nash beating the big show to get his place into the NWO black and whites. Yeah. So, we, you know, a lot of history. And it made sense for that feud. And... And the giant never kind of got his retribution. Scuttle comes out and does his usual playing to the crowd shenanigans. Hall says he's interested he wins in the main event tonight because he gets a title shot at Super Bowl for winning World War Three. He says Nash will not be in the building tonight and the giant, Nash's original opponent for tonight, comes out. Hey. Where is the giant? <laughs> he says he doesn't blame Nash for not showing up and claims to be a patient man. He as he says uh, he says sooner or later Nash will learn who the one real giant is. Giant says he has another message for Nash, and Hall begins to attack. I wonder what the giant's other message is. Oh. KO punch. <laughs> and Scott Hall begins to attack the giant, who responds with one big headbutt and knocks Hall halfway across the ring. Oh, oh my god! Look at the strength of the big show, uh, the giant. And he's got Scott Hall. Oh! Slam! Throws him halfway across the ring. Signaling for the giant choke slam. And he's got Scott Hall. He's got something better for him. Oh my god. Jackknife. Oh, look at the candy floss. Jackknife! The world's tallest oh. jackknife powerbomb. Oh my god. He's laid out a hole. But I gotta say, I'm a bit disappointed. That was the kind of moment we would see on Nitro as opposed to the biggest event. Of the year. There wasn't really much payoff there, was it? You know? No. He say waiting for Kevin Nash. Now we've got to wait for Scott Hall to wake up. The new world of music is playing. And here comes Vincent. Scott Norton, who's just helped Scott Hall to the back. Now going to be involved in a match. Well, we're just waiting for Conan to come out here now. Oh, wait a minute. We're no Conan, but here come the Steiner brothers. That's Ray Trailer, actually. And Ray Trailer, Ray Trailer, yeah, looking like he's part of a tag team with Rick. Scott's walking behind him. That's better. That Ray Trailer looks like a big bus man. He does, doesn't he? It's weird. And Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, they're walking him down. Cool, he's, he's on his way to becoming a genetic freak, isn't he? <laughs> he's very big right now, Scott Steiner. <clears throat> Not very imposing entire by um, Ray Trailer, but still... Like you said, all were formerly associated with the NWO, so was DiBiase, one of the early members. What title belts has DiBiase got? DiBiase's got the tag team titles that the Steiners beat six and Scott Hall for. But of course, the outsiders said they weren't defeated for tag team titles, so that's why they had their own title belts on Nitro. It's just nice and confusing, you know? But who's going to be the third member of the NWO? At the moment, I favour the Steiners and Ray Trailer in this match. Well, the NWO music's hit. Of course, they weren't going to have a non-NWO. Oh, they've got oh, Miss Elizabeth in oh, their corner. Miss Elizabeth there. Oh, my God. Dan, who is it? Oh, yeah, James. <laughs> the Metro Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the Metro Man coming out with Liz. And Liz is looking F-I-N-E fine. 
Oh, all the macho wants to fight Rey Mysterio. And the uh, Stevie Ray and Booker T. Yeah. I don't like you. Macho madness here. So we're not getting Scott Hall in action. We're not getting Kevin Nash. But at least the macho man's here. Do you think it's a waste of the macho man's talent coming off that big feud he's had all year with EDP? I think he's, you know, he's just kind of filling in now. I think he's the biggest fish in this pond at the moment. I mean, you know, Scott Steiner's on his way to becoming the genetic freak Big Papa Pump. So he's going to emerge from this. Big Boss Man is on his way, or Ray Trailer is on his way down. Yeah. Um... Macho Man's kind of... He's on a downward curve of his peak. Vincent, I don't even think he ever had a peak. No. And funny how he's on the opposite side to a Million Dollar Man. Yeah, exactly. You know, his, his former owner, shall we say. Uh, yeah, the, the best time of Vincent coming over here. And it's the thing, I mean, the NW doesn't really need, the NW doesn't really need Vincent, you know, unless to get beaten up and stuff. He's but the, the enforcer. I know he's the enforcer, but I, I think, you know, we don't really need... The same with Scott Norton... Big Macho, we're going to question that, isn't it? We're going to question that, aren't we? If what well, valid members of the NWO? Well, not just valid members. Main event is: Does Macho deserve to have main event feuds, or should he just hang his boots up and, you know, be the guy putting younger guys? Well, over? would you have rather have seen Steiner versus Macho Man? Yeah, I've, you know, I would rather see that, or Guerrero versus Macho Man, or something. You know, looking towards the future in that kind of way, and seeing the, the bigger stars letting the. Uh, the younger guys come up, and this is what we talk about, those kind of eight or nine main eventers. Macho would be classed as that, wouldn't he? You've got Hogan in there as well. So can he still go? And we talk about seeing a Stein, Scott Steiner versus Macho Man one-on-one match. Both these men going to start it here. Scott Steiner's a very big man. But the Steiners have been pure WCW throughout their entire run here. We cannot confirm nor deny that Scott Steiner may or may not have been using performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs> At this time. But then again, Rick looks quite big in in a way. I think he looks bigger than Macho. I think Macho looks a bit leaner here. Oh, yeah, Macho's certainly... Uh, I think he's laid off the off the roids. Do you think every... Do you think they're on... Hard, you know, in all seriousness, do you, do you think most of these guys have on hard drugs at this time? Because Ray Trailer, I mean, you know, <laughs> look at the way he died. Um, I'd say they're, they're more likely, you know, to be uh, cokeheads. Then you know, but like what we'd have called a coke session, like a few lines here and there in a night. These are probably doing like a few grams. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, they was they weren't doing small lines. They was doing enough, and you know, I think mixed with the fucking drink that they was taking, and uh, probably a few of them was on a cocktail of steroids. It wouldn't surprise me, like a separate. Lock, you know, separate rooms, didn't they? Locker rooms and stuff. You go into like match them out. I, I cannot confirm or deny, of course, but you probably get needles on the, the table and some bit of coke and a bit of you know all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, bro, I'm just sorting myself out before, like, really over. I, that's what I imagine anyway. I don't, yeah, you know, what I mean, how open it was. Like, they can do basically what they want, you know, at, at this point in time. That's what <clears> I, I think anyway. I might be wrong about that, but you look away most of these guys, how it ended up for them, you know, like oh, most definitely, but. Again, you know, it's. I don't think it's just down to the drugs. I think it's down to the strain on their hearts. Yeah. Because these guys, you know, they're they're always going to be either in the gym. You know, they've got to maintain these physiques to kind of keep their jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, <clears> that's definitely. You know, taking cocaine that speeds up the heart, and you know the pressure that their heart has to go through wrestling. 
times a year, well, if not more. This is the thing. As well, well, look, the problem is, is that WWE will have the advantage over WF because they work less dates. Like I said, with Bret Hart, you know, people had the weekends off, the main eventers did. But starting in January of 1998, WWE start their new show, Thunder, which would then add, you know what I mean, twice as many dates there. So then there was kind of equal how many shows they did. So that kind of took the advantage away of being like, oh, we have less shows. So the more punishment they took... Plus, with the, the roster size, if you lost your spot on the card, I think that's what everybody's worried about, it would just get filled up with someone. You know, yeah. like they had near, over 150 people employed uh, to the staff. And we talk about Macho Man, who's kind of taking control of the NWO. His um, dad was employed with WCW on like a, just getting paid, and he was just sitting at home doing nothing. And they said, why is, why is Macho's dad on there? It's one of the things Macho says on his contract. He's got to have his dad. <laughs> so, and it was all these kind of things where if WCW managed it, he cut it down to a, a sizable chunk. But is Macho Man of people like Talking a sizable chunk, Scott Steiner's got himself a camel tie going on there. <laughs> he hasn't. He just grinned pressed. Macho, and now it's all broken down in the ring. Macho Man's managed to get out of there, and Vincent's been kicked out of the ring. The Steiners and Trailer there are running roughshod, yeah. and the dog-faced gremlin there getting between his brother's legs, covering up the camel toe. Yeah, he is, and that's a traditional Steiner pose, and that's why he does it for dog-faced gremlin to stop the camel toe. That's the one. Scott, it's happened back in 92. Well, we've got the dog and the camel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dreaded. And look at Macho, putting Liz in front of Steiner. Oh! And Steiner just picks up Liz, spins her around, and gets her out of harm's way. Oh, Scott's ta- going to tag in Rick, is he? Yeah. yeah. To go against Norton. Yes, Norton. The antivirus is what I'd be called if I was his name. <laughs> uh, anyway, Scott Norton now trying to Irish rip Rick. Bit of a slow start, but Rick now power slamming Norton. It's not a close line, it's a Steiner line. Oh, right sorry, there. it's a Steiner line. And now he's picking him up again. Randy Alton-esque power slam by Rick Steiner. Not with as much flair. <laughs> Woo! But now he tags in Ray Trailer, who looks big. I mean, he lost a lot of weight. He looks he looks really big. He looks like a boss, and he's certainly a man. <laughs> he is, he is. And he's... <laughs> well, at least he's still gainfully employed in WCW. I mean, that's the lucky thing, isn't it? And now Norton backing Boss Man up in the corner. Macho and Vincent working on them. Oh, yeah. And look at the power of Vincent. Look at the strikes. Uh-oh. As I say that, Ray Trailer catches him, slams him down. Vincent backing Bossman up. Oh, a lovely slam there by Trailer. Tags in Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner. Big belly to belly by Scott. Look at him slapping Vincent, silly. Slapping his bald head. <laughs> Tags in Trailer. And now Trailer beating down on Vincent. And now Trailer with a big knee to Vincent. Tags in Rick, and I tell you what, they're working really well together. Dibiossi's got this team working well. I guess you call them maybe the All Americans. I don't know. Rick, big right hand, Vincent. Rick, big right hand, Vincent. <laughs> Rick with a big right hand, taking down Vincent. I was just sleepering him, holding his face right in front of the NWO. You know, Rick, do you reckon he's the WCW's version of the British Bulldog? Fuck you. No. Rick's not in British Bulldogs League. Come on, why oh, do you yeah. hate Rick doesn't Bulldogs? do crack, I suppose. Oh, yes, he does. He does. I, I saw Rick the other day. He's like, are you going to crack, boy? No, I think Rick Steiner's a good hand in WSW, but I, I never really uh, thought he... I thought Scott Steiner was a star. But I, I like the Steiners. Don't get me wrong. I thought they worked well together. We'll see who's the star going into 1998, whether it's Rick or Scott. 
But now talk about Scott. Scott Norton with Ray Trailer. Like a macho kicking Ray. Ray Trailer reversing Vincent. Oh! Both men cl- clashing heads. Vincent needs to get a tag to either Scott or Randall. Vincent gets a tag to Macho. No, he doesn't. Rick gets a tag in. He's taking all the NWO members out. Ho, ho, ho. Scott Norton down. Now Vincent up. Slamming Vincent. Slamming Savage. Slamming Norton. Ray Trailer's in. So Scott Simon, but I don't think they really need to be. Oh, and now the Steiners have got Vincent. Oh, they're going up for the uh, Steiners finisher. No, they're not. Oh, fucking hell. Jesus Christ. (laughs) They just DDT'd Vincent off the top of his his head. Yeah. What? Off the top rope. And now Vincent again on top. Uh Uh-oh, Steiner. (coughs) Frankensteiner from Buckle. There you go. That's it. Oh, no, Matt. Savage in to break it up as quick as you like, though. Yeah, and now Dibiossi on the apron. Scott Steiner has got Macho Man. Just a sheer power, throwing him everywhere. Rick's on the outside with Norton. Now he's placing Savage up on the top. Is he going to give him a Frankensteiner? Yeah, but he's not the legal man. Is he? Referee's still distracted with Ted Dibiossi. And Scott is just about to put Macho down. Here comes Norton up. Oh, get Scott. On his shoulders. That's a double Scott. Oh. Electric chair. Savage up top. No. Big elbow drop. One, two, three. Oh, Rick and Ray can't get in there to save it. And Macho gets the win, even though it looks like the Steiners. Where they're going to get saved. So the tag team champion's not involved in a title match. Involved, man. Dan, what did you think? I thought it was quite an entertaining match, to be honest with you. Steiner brothers look great. I wasn't that impressed with uh, Trailer. I, d- I didn't think he'd done that well. Um, Savage, I think he's you know he's still got a bit of it. Yeah. Vincent and Scott Norton. I don't think there's much point in them being there because Vincent was just a whipping boy for majority of the match. Scott Norton to impress me. <laughs> I think that you know this was just a Steiner brothers and Savage. Yeah, I think it was, but I think Steiner's a little bit wasted. Not to be against the tag team, you know, defending the titles at the... I would say the biggest event in the year, but I think the interaction was great between the two teams. I think Vincent, yeah, like I said, took a lot of punishment. Really disliked Scott Norton, but I think Macho getting the win, he is the biggest star in the match, isn't he? So I think yeah. he deserved it, even though he did take a bit of a beating. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what 1998 brings for Macho Man, the, like, the little members of the NWO, and, of course, the Steiner brothers. Mean Gene Oakland here selling off the WSW hotline. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a, an They've important interview. out the number. Yeah, exactly. Why can't we see the number for? That's not fair. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. Uh, here comes JJ Dillon. And, of course, he's got a contract on hands, and he says Nick Patrick will be the referee tonight, having earned his trust, even though Nick Patrick used to be the evil NWO referee. But if Bret Hart is refereeing Bischoff, I mean, surely he's free for the main event later. Do you know what I want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas, James? Do you know what I want for Christmas? Do you know what I really want for Christmas, Dan? I want everybody to listen to the WNR podcast Christmas special 
on Christmas Day. It would be, make my dreams come true. Everybody could listen to Dub to find out who's going to be our wrestler of the year, match of the year, pay for you the year, plus a lot more. What do you want for Christmas, Dan? My New Year's wish is for everyone to listen to the New Year's podcast. Thank you. But up next, hopefully, <laughs> we will see Goldberg in action and this big man has been ripping through the roster. Can he beat Mongo here tonight? I don't think it's a question of if he can beat Mongo. It's how quickly will Goldberg beat Mongo. Yeah. So we had a lot, but obviously we had Goldberg. Probably one of the most intense wrestlers of any time. Exactly. You're not coming out of any fireworks at the moment. Just coming out. You see, we've seen Ravens flock at ringside as well. What the flock are they doing there? I'm probably just watching the action. I couldn't give a flock. <laughs> but we are going to see another flocker. It's Stephen McMichael. You see shenanigans going to happen between her and him. Past couple of Goldberg still in a super. Super Bowl ring for McMichael, but tonight this is all action here. Goldberg wants a bit of McMichael. Randy Anderson, the referee. <laughs> B. Ayres on his jacket. Part of the four horsemen, the most legendary groups of all time. Goldberg's not waiting for him to get to the ring. He wants to fight him as soon as he can get his hands on him. Here we go. Oh. And McMichael's got the upper hand. Kicked to the midsection, but Goldberg, <laughs> no selling that whatsoever. And he's just giving uh, McMichael some big right hands. No, uh, you've got the first shots in, Mongo, but that might be your last now. Goldberg worked on this. is Goldberg's biggest match of his career so far. The biggest event of the year. Can Goldberg be dominant like he has been on Nitro? Mongo, he went for a punch. <laughs> Goldberg just picks him up, carries him to the ring. <laughs> McMichael's still trying to fight him, but Goldberg's just like not having any of it. Well, the power of Goldberg is quite extraordinary. Throws McMichael in the ring. Throws a table in the ring, is he? Well, the referee's saying, look, tables are not allowed. And Goldberg's like, I will, I will. Goldberg's like, I'll do what the fuck I want. Oh, Mongo now, the clubbing strikes to the back of Goldberg. The bell has rung. And Goldberg, the shot's phasing Goldberg now. Some kicks to the midsection. Mongo just looks like an awful wrestler. Yeah, he is an awful wrestler. I hate Steve McMichael. Got Goldberg. Oh, a sidewalk slam there. The undefeated Goldberg's in trouble. Two. McMichael goes for the cover, but Goldberg easily kicking out. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, back to his feet, he seems more annoyed than hurt at the moment. Mongo with the Irish whip. Oh, oh and a flying shoulder tackle from Goldberg. Back from his NFL days, goes for the cover, but McMichael managing to kick out. Ah, and McMichael, the more successful NFL player between these two, who will be more successful in the ring, you know? McMichael, you could say, come over. He's got a big name, that's why they knew him. Goldberg is relative unknown. Trying to show that he belongs to be here in WSW, the number one wrestling company in the world. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, Goldberg's got McMichael on the outside. Please. Trying to put him head first on the table, but McMichael blocked. And we haven't seen a wrestling move yet. No. Nope. What are you expecting from two uh, former pro footballers? Or American footballers? Well, I'm not sure, but you can hear Mike today saying, you know, don't discount Goldberg in this, even though Michael's a more experienced guy. Because you've got to remember, Goldberg's only been here two months, so the fans still really not sure. But Michael to the top. Goldberg's up to his feet, though. 
Oh, oh, and as McMichael jumps off the top, Goldberg punches him in the midsection. And now Goldberg's in complete control of this match, kicking the crap out of McMichael. But not very nice kicks. I mean, we could argue, you know, with Goldberg. You can see how green he is at this moment in time, you know. And like yeah. so it's not been a wrestling move, but it looks very imposing as he's got McMichael. Takes him down and gets him into a leg lock. Goldberg moving out of submission and all, oh, just wrenching that leg back. Kind of tribal shout there by Goldberg. But the fans aren't reacting. They're staying in the seats at the moment. Michael, Irish whipped. <laughs> Goldberg just pushed away with Michael. And now Goldberg's smirking. He hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's just got a grin on his face. And now Irish whipped attempt. Come on, go. Here comes Goldberg. Oh! Spears McMichael. One. Oh, but Michael kicking out quite easily. Uh, well, Goldberg got up before the referee finished his count as well he did it with spear I don't think he hit all of it but Goldberg's more interested in that table on the outside and now he's setting it up when a, tra- when a table gets set up someone's bound to go through it and now Goldberg taking his time Irish whipping Bongo to the other side now he easily powers him up Charles shifting switching shoulders you, looking oh. to throw him over the top rope through the table but Michael's holding on and I think the referee's assistant as well and Mongo falls on top of Goldberg, but only gets a one count. One. Now Goldberg back up, just more annoyed than anything else. Oh, stands him against the ropes, drop kicks him over the top. If that had been on the other side, Mongo would have gone through the table. But luckily, well, I say safe landing. He hit those uh, ringside mats, and Danny tell me how thin they are. Well, they're even more thinner than the wafer thin mats they've got nowadays. <laughs> And with Michael going up near the table side, I don't know if that's a great strategy, but shoulder bars to Goldberg. Goldberg responds with a knee to Mongo. Big right hand, punches <laughs> Mongo through the table. What was the point in that? <laughs> but anyway, Mongo through the table. Well, ECW had tables. I think WCW just wanted to keep up. And Mo- Goldberg helping Mongo up. Yeah, that wasn't a disqualification, of course, because Mongo just fell through the table. Goldberg didn't put him through it. But he's still fighting back, McMichael. Well, that's table <laughs> table bumps useless. But Mongo's saying, this is it now. Going to try and pick him up. <laughs> Fucking hell. Fumbled it, so he's faking a back injury. I think he meant, but it just looked awful anyway. Now Goldberg. Looking set to finish this. Oh. God, nearly dropped him on his head. Jackhammer. And the victory. Goldberg gets first victory at Starcade. Fans seem to like that. Goldberg's cut his own head open again. <laughs> Every time I see Goldberg. If I had a pound for him, I've seen Goldberg with his forehead busted open. I'd have a lot of pounds. Have a lot of pounds, yeah. I mean, Goldberg, they're impressive, but what do you think of the match? Um, honestly, terrible. Yeah. I don't think two non-wrestling types, shall we say, should work together. You know, it is. you need someone with experience to work with someone as green as Goldberg, and I don't think McMichael's got that experience. But again, you know, I think it was it was more of a showcase of Goldberg than anything else. Yeah, I think this shows, uh, like you said, the potential of what Goldberg could be, you know. He looks like a star here, doesn't he? And if you're just watching the event fresh, you're thinking, this guy... It's going to be the future of the wrestling industry because of his look, 
and what he can do. It's a horrible matchup putting him in Mongo's, Mongo's way, though. Well, just under 20 years later, he's, he defeats Goldberg in pretty much record time. Well, 19 years later, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. No, he, he, with Brock Lesnar. He I beats mean, Lesnar, yeah, in record time. I think that's, you know, it just goes to show the longevity of Goldberg. I mean, is is what it's all about with when, him. When it's done right, isn't it? When the storyline's done right. With Goldberg, they kept that, what, five minutes? And they did that. And, of course, the way they built up this kind of main event that we've got with Sting and Hulk Hogan as well. But we've seen Raven come out. Raven's scheduled for a match with Chris Benoit here. So that should be quite a good one. Raven's got the microphone. I wonder what he's going to say. Raven comes out and talks about the details of his contract that gives him control of when he wrestles. He decides he doesn't want to wrestle tonight and chooses Saturn to take care of Chris Benoit. But what about him? What about Raven? What, what about Raven? Poor Raven. Talk about his contract. James, that's so Raven. <laughs> it's so Raven. So that's one cancelled match and two substitutes in the first five contests for those keeping st- store. Benoit cuts a weird poetic promo on Raven, stumbling through his lines a bit. Um, well, one thing I really haven't enjoyed about this pay-per-view is... The long segments in between the matches. Yeah. You know, things that could have been sorted out on the Nitro before. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? And, and we've, we've been on, we've been on, we've been watching this pay-per-view for an hour and five minutes. And the uh, matches total up to 15, 25, 30, 25, 30 minutes. So we've had 30 minutes of wrestling on an hour show already. And now we're getting Saturn coming out. So I hope, you know, and, and it's just, this is meant to be the biggest show of the year and at the moment it hasn't felt like it, has it? Apart from the opening match, which was really good. Yeah. Since, since then, you know, it's, it's not It's, not it's kind of going downhill. Yeah. Uh, like it did last time as well. Like it did the Halloween Havoc weird yeah. way. But this is meant to be the biggest show. And now probably Saturn coming out to the War Games music. <laughs> but I've got quite high hopes for this next match. I mean, you know, Saturn... Back in his day before he was kind of rubbished by WWE, great wrestler. Yeah, exactly. And Chris Benoit, I think throughout all his career, he was a great wrestler. Spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know, but when the Radicals went over to WWF in 2000, the four members were Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero, who we saw wrestling earlier, Prey Satin and Chris Benoit, who are wrestling now. So it's kind of weird, these kind of talent that were there in a kind of mid-card not being used to their full potential, finally got frustrated and moved on, you know. And like I said, great wrestlers, all four of them. And it'll be interesting to see what Pace that could do against this man, Chris Benoit. You know, the match anticipated Sting, but the, the match I'm looking forward to is Zabisco versus Bischoff. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, that, that's going to get the time it deserves. Yeah, uh, Bret Hart's Bischoff against referee. And we see Benoit being very poetic on the uh, microphone. Well, now Raven's going to come in, is he? Oh. oh, he was faking out enough to distract Benoit, but that didn't work on the rabid Wolverine, the cross-faced crippler. <laughs> I was trying to think of a third name for him, but... Uh, um, ruthless, ruthless aggression. aggression. Yeah. Toothless aggression, yeah. <laughs> and Benoit backing Saturn up in the corner with the chops. And Saturn with a fucking ridiculous haircut. <laughs> I mean, I thought mullets were bad, but I'd rather have a mullet than Saturn's yeah. mop. Well, I'll tell you what we have seen so far, like, every guy we've known, like, we haven't had to kind of look up to any of them, have we, you know, Eddie, uh, of course, Eddie and uh, Malenko, even Scott Norton, we've kind of 
with like Steve McMichael, we've begrudgingly got to know them this year, you know. I think the real talent is in this thing. And look at Benoit. So what is um, a Ravens rules matchup, James? Do you want to run me through the uh, what's allowed and what's not allowed? Anything's allowed in Raven rules. Anything Raven says goes. Oh, Billy Kimmel up in the apron, but Benoit knocks him down. Jared. <laughs> Billy Kimmel ended over the top. Oh, Saturn wearing the, uh, the, what are they, camo pants. What are they called? Cargo pants. Cargo pants. Benoit, of course, with black trunks. And all the Ravens flock a ringside. Oh. You know, he just jumped straight into there. That's sick, boy. <clears throat> that was sick, boy. Fucking hell. (laughs) And Billy Kidman with like a running shooting star press off the ring apron onto Benoit. Uh, Look at the state of Billy Kidman here. Do you think Tory Wilson was going out of him a couple of years? It's really gothic. Oh, yeah. Raven standing over him. That's what the flock's about. Harry Saturn. Oh. Lovely leg drop there, getting Benoit back into the ring. I think it's better wrestling, like the moves that they do, compared to what we saw at Survivor Series to now. Like, we just saw shooting staff the apron and then sat and using the second rope to leg drop. We weren't seeing that, were we? No. You know, uh, and I think that the kind of it is better wrestling. I am going to say that. Even I mean, apart from the last match, <laughs> that was not good. But it was about the same level as we we saw in WF. So yeah, but again, you know, the the Norton, Vincent, and Savage against Trader and the Steiners. That was more of the old WWF. Yeah. wrestling you know the Guerrero Malenko it was it was fresh just like this match here you know with Benoit and uh, Saturn but I don't mind it seems fresh yeah exactly but I don't mind I like the, the, the changes you know I mean you can take a breath in one match and then another match is, is filled on I quite like that it's just when it's it's either all dull and look at Saturn whoa oh, running the ropes and a lovely shooting star there onto Benoit and Benoit's in a lot of trouble now he is Perry Saturn showing his agility, going for the pin, but Benoit rolling to the ropes. Oh, managed to get his foot on the bottom rope. Very veteran lot there from Benoit. So he's been around, of course, with an ECW. Now he's in WCW trying to move up the card. Of course, associated with the four horsemen at points. And Saturn with Raven's flock. Big knee to Benoit. Not giving him a chance to brave. Yeah, still at ringside as well. And this is, this is better. Like I said, Perry Saturn clubbed and blow to the head. Uh, I think with the advantage of the flock at ringside, I mean, Saturn's definitely uh, definitely taking full control of this match. But we now have dangerous Benoit, as you can turn it round. And... and again, Benoit relying on the ring ropes there to not get himself counted out of this match. Going for the knee for the third time. Oh! But Benoit grabbing and rolling him up, only getting a two count there. Two! Saturn responding straight away with a uh, clothesline. Goes for the cover himself. Well, goes for it more than once, but can't get it twice. Two twice. <laughs> Saturn just grinding down. He knows he's not going to get a win for the submission, but he knows he's going to get his breath back as he works down Chris Benoit. And Benoit's a tough individual. It's going to take a lot to beat him, even with the flock at ringside. So what does Benoit need to do if he's to uh, pull off the surprise victory against Saturn? I think he needs to, get, if you're going to get a victory, just pull it out of nowhere, Dan. There's only one thing that comes out of nowhere, James, and that is an RKO. Oh, Saturn there with a brain buster on Benoit. And Saturn's got a weird look in his eyes. I think that might put Benoit away. But if Benoit needs to get a victory, he needs to get a, a, submission, suit, uh, a submission or a pin. Just the surprise kind of element to it. 
and get his way out there before he can get hurt. Oh, look who it is! It's Mortis, and there's Alex Wright, yeah? Yeah, Alex Wright! Alex on his big package, oh, right? Oh, look at the size of his penis taking up the seat in front of him. <laughs> He's got it rested on the young lady's shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay, but put it there. I don't bite. Oh, oh much. Oh, oh. Benoit with a sunset flip, rolls up Saturn. Oh. oh, but Saturn managing to kick out. Oh, goes for the clothesline again. And now Benoit's turning up the aggression in this match, but only for so long. He hit the clothesline Saturn, but like I said, the energy sapped from him. He's been beating up for the past five minutes. Raven's not very happy. Tell you what, even though he lives on the streets, he still gets hair done, doesn't he? He does indeed. He looks a bit like Baron Corbin. <laughs> Maybe Raven could come in and be like, Baron, I am your father. <laughs> oh, and Saturn with the knees to Benoit. Looked like Benoit was going to get back into this, but Saturn cut him off. Lovely slam there, like an inverted falcon arrow. Oh, and now Perry Saturn's mocking Benoit, slicing his throat. What's he going to do? Saturn on his way to the top. Benoit cuts him off, meets him up there. Oh, this ain't going to run well. And, oh, no! <laughs> Throws Saturn off the top ropes to the wafer thin mats below. Hey. Benoit's going to go for a suicide baseball slide. Well, it went for baseball slide. Saturn went for clothesline. Oh, cross face on the outside, though. But the flock flocks round him and... Well, fucking hell. Fucking hell. Loki, sick boy, Billy Kidman. And the referee somehow... He's letting this go because it's a Ravens rules match. Don't forget. And Saturn now. Oh! Oh! Goes for the moon, springboard moonsault off the ring apron and takes out all the members of the flock and Ben Maher manages to get out of the way. This is his time to capitalise. There we go. Throws him in. Ben Maher's got Saturn. And Ravens still stood there watching on. Oh! Turns him inside out of a big clothesline. Yeah, Ravens been very stoic in this match. Not moved a lot. Finally moved for the first time. It's Benoit. Oh. Lovely snap suplex there. Uh-oh. And now that's the real throat slicer. That is the end. Benoit looking at Raven as he goes up. Here we go. Oh. oh. Halfway across the ring lands a diving headbutt. But Kidman comes in to distract Benoit and it works. Oh, and now all the Ravens flock coming in. Maybe Loki can do much better. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, he can't. He gets suplexed out. A sick boy might be all right, no. No. Kidman? Oh, <laughs> he just gets swatted out of the air. But Raven's in. And Hammer from behind. Oh! Is that Van Hammer, isn't it? Yeah. Part of the Raven flood can hit from the back. Even flow DDT by Raven. Oh, you don't the rings need... of Saturn. You don't need to put this on, ref. Benoit's out. Wow. So Chris Benoit loses pace, sat but very much in part thanks to Raven and his flock. As Raven sits in the corner, there we go, he's got the signs, rings of Saturn. And now Raven just standing over Chris Benoit. And this feud looks to continue here in WCW. Will Benoit get his hands on Raven eventually? I mean, we saw some great moves in that match, didn't we, you know? Um, yes, definitely, yeah. Uh... Again, you know, they, they've turned it up a hell of a lot since the last couple of matches. Yeah, you know, I think I would have probably preferred to see a proper showcase one-on-one match between these two guys. I think that would have been a lot better. Yeah. But, you know, from what we've seen, it's, uh, it's hopefully going in the right direction again. Yeah, exactly. We hope to see a confrontation between Raven and Benoit one day. And I think the good thing about the match is that their kind of styles 
Like, they're very similar to each other, aren't they? So they weren't afraid to work a little bit harder, a little bit stiffer. We, we kind of saw that in this match. So I think that was quite good. And uh, let's hope we can continue doing this now as we move on to our next match. Luger against Bagwell. Oh, my God. Two guys who... <laughs> well, I'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, you know. Did you know that Bagwell was actually married to a woman called Julie Bagwell from 2001 to 2016? It wasn't his mum, though, was it? I cannot confirm nor deny that. So next, Luger, no one of these kind of guys, main eventers, being put in this spot we saw already this year on Nitro in August, winning the WCW title off Hogan, wasn't he? One of the men, even though he only held it for six days. But if you look at his programmes that he had, or the fuse that he had in the the full, you know, nineteen ninety seven itself. It, it, Halloween Havoc, he faced um, Randy Savage, who he beat, and now he's feuding with uh, Buff Bagwell. He's going through the NWO members, isn't he? You know. So I mean, Luger, what have you thought of him as a wrestler? I've always, I've always thought of him to be a bit stiff. You know, I don't think he, he's he's got a good rhythm to his in ring ability. <clears throat> I think they mainly focus on the fact that you know he, he's a, a total package. Yeah. yeah, again, you know, I've never been Lex's biggest fan. No, and I think Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger are very similar in that way of, like, they might have a great look, but for me, I think they're awful wrestlers. I might be, am I being harsh on Luger and Bagwell there? Well, you know, they, I think this match will tell us all we need to know. Yeah, exactly, we'll see how long it is. I mean, Buff Bagwell, I, I, don't, know. I don't know, people say he's got the look, but for me... People look like him a kind of dime a dozen in wrestling, you know. I think you can get anybody in Bagwell. Lex Luger may be a little bit different. I mean, he came over, didn't he, with start first episode of Nitro. Made a difference in the ratings war. He's been fighting with WCW ever since. But as we see with 998, things change. So, with Luger, might be getting a little bit stale. Kind of that kind of bland baby face. See if the match with Bagwell can improve it. But Buff Bagwell, we part the NWO up... In 1997, I wouldn't say he deserves to be in the NWO. I think, you know, the whole point was he's meant to be in WWF and Bagwell never was, was he? So, a bit of a weird pick. Talk about the Buff Bagwell thing. On November 25th, 1996, Bagwell joined the NWO. So, all the way back last year, you know, 1996. Yeah. I was telling his partner, Riggs, because he was known as the... uh, Vicious and Delicious. The American Males. And then became... uh, Buff Bagwell and former team Scott Norton called Vicious and Delicious in the NWA. That's how you get close, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, well, you know, in 1998, Bagwell was out. I don't know if he was out for injury or whatever, but the fans were absolutely screaming for him to come back. Really? That every, you know, every week... <laughs> oh, fuck off. Every week, you know, it was Buff Bagwell. I was chanting him. Loads of signs saying, Buff is the stuff, we want Buff back, and... You know, it, it it was just going really off key about him. Fucking hell. Well, Lex Luger just spat a buff Bagwell. Bagwell sold it like he'd just been hit with a ton of bricks. He did indeed, yeah. It knocked him down. Um, and now Bagwell backs Luger up in the corner. So we've got the buffness of Bagwell and we've got the, the Luger and the, the total Pacage. Pacage. And now Lex, look at the power, the Pacage, picking up Buff Bagwell. You gonna throw him out the ring? No, he's just posing with him. Big slam. Clotheslines him out the ring. And Bagwell's not having any more of this and he's uh 
like Craig David, he's walking away. Oh, and his NWO teammate, Vincent, is coming out. Well, he got dropped on his head earlier by Scott Steiner, but he's still managing to uh, look a little bit with it. Can he make the difference? Because, like I said, the enforcer of the NWO. Vincent trying to make his way out to interfere in the match, but Luger just one punches him down. Bagwell backing Luger off. Oh, Big rights from Buff. After the pokes in the eye. You cheating bastard, Buff Bagwell. Now kicking Luger down. And the fans look just to be waiting for one match. And I can see three or five, <coughs> six, twelve sting masks. I can see NWO tops. I think everybody here is just waiting for the main event. Do you know that? Well, Zabisco versus Bishop. No, not, will you stop saying Zabisco Bishop is the main event? I am talking, of course, about Sting versus Hogan. The thing, how much talent is not on the card, though. We're not going to see Ric Flair, we're not going to see Scott Hall, Kevin, Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, the, the Giant, and look at Vincent choking out Lex Luger. Look how these two men sweating. I cannot confirm or deny that these two men... Yeah, hang on a minute. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's obviously they are. Luger definitely is. Yeah. Well, Bagwell is as well. He's gained so much muscle mass since his uh, American Males day. American. American Males. Oh, and Luger's managing to fight back. Big elbows to the face of Bagwell. Bagwell feeling all of this. Oh, and as I said that, didn't sell it. Poked to the eye of Luger. Oh. Runs into Luger's big boot. Clothesline down from Lex. Bagwell going for the cover, but Luger managing to kick out. Oh. <laughs> Buff Bagwell now with a submission to the back of Lex Luger's head. <laughs> Checking how long's left. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really long. Seems like a nightmare match. Well, a nice long shot there, the crowd. <laughs> Luger back to his feet, though. Oh, working with the elbows to the bread basket of Bagwell. Dodging Bagwell's clothesline, oh. Buff Bagwell's bread basket. <laughs> Lex Luger, he's ripping Buff. Oh. And a double axe handle smashed to the back of Luger. Stops his momentum. <laughs> Do you see what Bagwell did then? Snorted out a bogey, but the cameraman was right there. <laughs> Bagwell then he got caught with the, uh, the cradle pin, but responds with a clothesline, and then we just seen a couple of near falls there. Even Bagwell looks fed up with this match. <laughs> yeah, they're not selling it at all, are they? Just getting their breath back, wasting time. Why not give the Benoit Saturn match five more minutes or the one at the start five more minutes? You know, I don't, I don't understand. Luger slowly trying to get back to his feet. Does say, now can he get out of here? Elbows to the midsection, running the ropes, and Bagwell again with a knee stopping Luger. Luger backed up to the corner, but coming out with kicks. Now punches to buff. And another Irish River attempt, Bagwell reverses. Going, got him in a sleeper for the third time now. Bagwell jumps on Luger's back. Trying to really take Luger down. He's not dropped yet, but he's slowly fading. Can he get to the ropes? And buff Bagwell with yet another rest hold. The arm drops once. Dropped twice. Third One more time. and Luger's out. Oh no, but he's fighting his way back into it. Luger, oh! Powers his way out of that this time. Can he get the separation he deserves, well, he needs from Bagwell? I mean, probably just like his merchandise, Bagwell has not really sold much tonight. <laughs> that is true, and he's going for a 
So I slapped him. No, he went for a running splash, fell on Luger's <laughs> knees, and he was back on the offence within the second. <laughs> oh, but Luger now, coming back. Huge is that, right hand. Is that Bagwell's gimmick? Doesn't sell. Yeah. <laughs> Big oh. back body drop and Bagwell straight back to his feet. Oh, down again, back up. Oh, down again, back up. Oh, down again, this time not back up. And the fans. Oh, now he's back up. The credit, the fans are slowly get behind Luger. Inverted atomic drop. You can see Luger chat to Bagwell as well about what moves he's going to hit next. Vincent on the apron. You can see Luger how out of breath he is. Big running elbow. Is that the elbow that's got the plate in that used to be barred in the WWF? Oh, I don't know about that, but Vincent's back up on the April, looking to get back on the April, waiting for his shot. <laughs> yeah, he's waiting for the moment in time. Luke just started ripping him, said he was going to go for the torture rack. Instead goes for a suplex. Vincent's up top. Luger spots it. Oh. Punches him. Throws him into Bagwell. <laughs> Does that mean... Luger's disqualified. No, I think the match is still going on. Vince... Irish rips Vincent into Bagwell. He has been a punching bag today, Vincent. <laughs> it's eliminated from the Royal Rumble. And now Luger signs for the torture rack and I want some candy floss. Right, Buff Bagwell in trouble. Slam against the turnbuckle. Big kicks in the corner of Bagwell, but referee's distracted him. Oh. So the referee's on the NWO side as well. Well, <laughs> referee just got hit by Luger. Bagwell threw him in. Oh, oh, big slam from Luger. Now he's signalling for the torch rack for the third time. Is he actually going to put it on? Bagwell's back to his feet, straight up in the torture rack. There's no referee, though. The referee just got knocked down. Big Bagwell saying, yeah, he gives up. And Savage from behind. Well, he lost to Luger last month. Goes to slam Luger. <laughs> oh, but gets picked up. Slammed down by Luger. Maybe that's where he gets his breath back rather than signaling for the torch rack yet again. Well, he gets Savage up in the torch rack this time. And there you go, Macho shouldn't have come out here. Well, that's two men that have come out to help Buff. Oh, God almighty. Scott Norton's here. Kick to Luga. He's got the belt wrapped around his hand. Punch to the face. Well, it's a dog collar. Oh. That's Miss Elizabeth's collar. <laughs> and Norton pulling Bagwell. Pulling Bagwell's limp body, places it over Luger, picks up the referee by his belt, slaps him a couple of times and says, yeah, get on with it, mate. One, two, two three. three. We talk about everything that's great with WCW at this time, but this was everything that was bad with WCW. Two guys, questionable how talented they are. Luger and Bagwell... Had to get their breath back the majority of the time. Four or five sleeper attempts. Uh, and then the run-ins from Vincent, Macho Man and Scott Lawrence, so the guys we basically saw earlier, the three men, involved in this Luger loses. I mean... The match was far too long. Bagwell didn't sell a thing. The ending was just terrible. How the referee never saw 90% of Vincent's interference. Um... Yeah, yeah, both men was just terrible. Yeah, honestly, it was um, uh, unbelievable, but not in a good way. It, honestly, it's, uh, it's it's one of the worst things I've seen this year. I'm not going to lie. It, it was absolutely awful. Anyway, move on. Well, up next, we've got two wrestlers who I've, I actually think are quite good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, DDP, I know we DDP this year, be feuding 
with Macho Man, like I said, had a great rival issue. You've really liked that feud, haven't you? Yeah. And of course, Kurt Henning making his way to Nitro and being US champion, basically main event in Nitro throughout what the end during the uh, later months of 1997. We've seen him going against a giant and people like this. Who 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 was you uh, saying you liked, James? I was saying I like Kurt Henning and Diamond Dallas Page. Because they originally squared off for the US title in the December 1st edition of Nitro, with Page hitting the Diamond Cutter and covering Henning, only for Rick Rude to break the count. And of course, we saw Rick Rude making his Nitro debut. This was Page's second DQ victory over Henning in as many tries. The NWO then beat down Page to end the broadcast, with Page sustaining two Diamond Cutters from Hogan. On the December 8th edition of Nitro, Ric Flair challenged Hennig to a steel cage match at Starcade. Which was ignored, so then they put Paige in a match. Kurt Henning, of course, he was seeing how Ric Flair's been feuding with Henning. Probably make a bit of sense, but DDP coming off the feud. But you're quite a fan of Paige. I am, yes. You know, he started his career quite late on. But he's been impressive nonetheless, and even, you know, now continues to work with the... Uh, Dare I say, broken wrestlers <laughs> trying to uh, trying to help them help rid them of his de- of their demons. You know, famously worked with uh, Scott Hall and yeah. who else? Jake the Snake. Roberts. Jake the Snake. Yeah. I mean, he invited them both to his house to partake in the uh, DDP yoga, and you know, it's helped sustain their lives and uh, give them a bit of longevity after wrestling. Yeah, exactly. You know how hard they parted, and one of those guys is about that as well was Kurt Henning, who was always out there playing pranks, wasn't he? But it's always a pleasure to see the former Mr. Perfect in action, even though he's probably passed his best. Of course, he had a back injury, stopped in wrestling for a few years. But over in Nitro, and quite a prominent member of the NWO. Oh, and DDP trying to go for a diamond cutter straight off the bat. Yeah, getting out of harm's way, Kurt Henning. Of course, a veteran wrestling business, starting off in the AWA. Page, of course, got the bandage around his uh, midsection for the beatings for match around Rally Savage. So that was about six months now. Do you know his actual name? Who? DDP. Page Falkenberg. Yes. Well, Page also broke into the wrestling business in 88 as a manager in the AWA as well, where he worked for nine months before signing with WSW in 91. He continued as a manager there until late 91, then became a wrestler. Over a decade in WCW, he became a three-time World Heavyweight Champion, two-time United States Champion, and four-time Tag Team Champion, and one-time World Television Champion, and he is the fourth WCW Triple Crown Champion. I think the interesting thing about Paige as well is, like, we see the NWO be all-dominant in 1997, aren't we, and winning the matches, whereas Paige has been one of the few guys that you could cheer for on Team WCW, a bit like Lex Luger and that. He always fights the WCW cause, and he's actually been successful in some of the fights, you know, beating Macho Man Randy Savage uh, and yep. such like, you know, and being in a match like this, you know, you can kind of get behind Paige. And not to uh, not to discount, he was also inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, DDP definitely deserves that honour. And, of course, Mr. Perfect as well. Uh, Mr. Perfect, sorry, Kurt Henning as well, never been a world champion. But you could argue maybe the better, well the better wrestler out of the two here. Of course, he's got a son wrestling today who I still think could be great things for Curtis Axel, but I'll share that at a later date. As Paige now hits a net break on Kurt Henning, backs him up into the corner. Kurt Henning over the top of Paige trying to reach out and grab him. Henning was too far away. 
And, uh, of course, Hennig, 10 years earlier, was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007. It's 2007 he was inducted. What a star, mate. How old was he when he died? He was 44, yeah. February 40, the 10th, 2003. Fucking hell. And he'd, he'd been married since uh, 1979 to his death in 2003 to Leonis Leonard. And you think about someone who was, you know, partying hard, was always, uh, well, I don't know if they loyal to his wife, but... Always mad. It's good to see. That usually happen in wrestling. Cutting married DDP to those stairs. Throws him right in there. And now pronounce you Al. Cutting in the ring. And he's got a mean look about him as well. The United States champion. Trying to take the strapping off DDP's bandage. Just working him down after those stair shots. It'd be hard to think DDP can get back into it. But the fight of this man. The people's champion of WSW DDP. Yeah, anything though. Clubbing blow to DDP. Both men with their blonde curly locks. Yeah. <laughs> but Hennig again deserves to be out there with, you know, one of the greatest uh, technical wrestlers of all time. Kind of like a stunner-esque move on Kurt Henning. Jawbreaker, but Henning managed to respond. Blow to the back of DDP's head. Don't know how much impact that had. Page trying to get to his feet. Punches to the midsection. Oh, but Henning with a right hand. Page with a right hand. Henning with a right hand. Page and Henning now going for it, both men. Page winning the exchange, ooh. Sends Kurt Henning over the top. And here comes Page. Oh! <laughs> Dives right on top of Henning. Fans getting into it now. Bit of fan interaction as Page throws Henning over the barricade into the fans. Now right over the top. And throws him back to the ringside. Page calling for it. No, he's going outside. He's got Henning right to the ring post. Well, ring post right to the ghoulies. Meccano. Kerning held on to the top rope. Going for the pin. Got his foot on the second rope. Oh. Well, Page still managing to kick out. Ah. McKerning distracted with the referee. Page rolling up perfect. Oh. Getting shoulder off the two. Two. Is he going for the heading plex? No. Page again. Small package. Henning getting up. Going for the clothesline. Page dodges. Oh. Couldn't dodge that one. Henning will recover. That is it. No! Page managing to kick out. Oh. Going to hit the Henning Plex. No. Page blocking it. Oh, armbar. Tape down. <laughs> Both men struggling to get to their feet. This has been definitely better than the last match. Indeed, yes. Both men giving it their all. <laughs> <laughs> and after both men hitting each other, they both stumble down onto their backsides. Where it looks like Page is going to recover first. Page Irish whip reversal. Oh! Diamond cutter. Can he get the cover he needs? One, two, three. Yeah. And that's it. Diamond cutter. Most deadliest of those moves. And your new US champion, Diamond Dallas Page. And he hit the diamond cutter out of nowhere to get... <laughs> no, like, I've got to say it no. because... Without he, he, no. a diamond cutter, Randy Orton never had the RKO. He asked Paige if he could use the move. Dan, Randy Orton's biggest fan, true or not? Nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. RKO's better, but no, yeah, I know, it but, is true. Yeah, and Paige, in true fashion, goes and celebrates with his people, the fans. Yeah, he is the champion of the United States and of the people. We, the people. <laughs> Well, it was my team. Beautiful move. Page turned it around. Henning didn't have a chance. And again, DDP successful here. 
That's one for the WCW. And now, Dan, it's time for your favourite match. The one you've been looking forward to the most. Well, Eric Bischoff versus Larry Zabisco, Dan. And it was verbally agreed that on November 24th, 1997 edition of Monday Nitro, with Zabisco stormed to the ring following an NWA paid advertisement, only to have the propaganda fall from the ceiling showing Bischoff posing over him at Halloween Havoc. Bischoff, after repeatedly and so finally agreed to face him at a later date, on November the 28th edition of Saturday Night, of WCW Saturday Night, the match was officially announced for Starcade. On a December 1st Nitro, Bischoff claimed he never signed a contract and wouldn't wrestle unless control of Monday Nitro was on the line, which WCW Commissioner JJ Dillon agreed to later in on the show. So, control of Nitro. So, if Bischoff was to win, what we saw on the Monday edition of Nitro backing over would come into effect. But we also found out another special thing as well about this match, Dan, haven't we? Uh, we have indeed, yes. And after a lot of debate between uh, Eric Bischoff and JJ Dillon, uh, they finally agreed on Bret Hart being the special guest referee. Yeah, so Bret Hart is making his first WWE pay-per-view appearance here. Is it the best thing for him, Dan, to be involved at a pay-per-view like this? Is it good to just have him on a show? They could have used him better. Well, you know, there wasn't really much other way to showcase him. It probably would have made more sense for him to be the special guest referee being announced at this pay-per-view, you know, as the referee between Hogan and Sting. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the both wrestlers are in the ring and now, you know, and JJ Dillon comes out and now we've got a special guest referee, a man that won't screw anyone over. He's going to be an impartial referee because he knows what it's like to be screwed over. Bret Hart. No, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. I think with, with, with the Bret thing, I think the only thing in my mind that might have been cool if he came in with the NWO top, the T-shirt, and said he was a member, and then cost like Hogan in his match with Sting or, you know, did something to the NWO in that way. I think that would have been quite cool. But they did it like this, so we're going to see what happens. Scott Hall is out here. And look at Eric Bischoff, eh? <laughs> he is so full of it right now. Well, you know, does, does he have good reason to be, though, James? I mean, you know, compared to his counterpart, Vince McMahon, who's who's on top, you know, who's been on top for the past year. And, you know, one might argue that it's mainly been down to Eric Bischoff and the way he's he's played things. I, I think it's been exclusively down to Eric Bischoff. I think behind the scenes he's been masterful in what he's been doing, be able to get the wrestlers, you know, people like Rick Rude, even when Medusa came over, put the women's title in the bin. Nitro is the number one program, but I feel it's like kind of gone to Bischoff's head because originally with DiBiase in the NWO, he was meant to be like the mouthpiece and do the interviews. He was replaced by Eric Bischoff. Bischoff made himself part of the storyline. I think he got too far into it, you know. He started believing his own hype. He should have been concentrating on the show as a whole, Rather than himself and the NWO. I mean, look at him now. He's involved in a, the co-main. He has his T-shirt off. I'm not saying Vince McMahon didn't do it. But it's doing it right, isn't it? So, he's, you know. Well, I know he's had martial arts training. Uh, taekwondo. He's an amateur background in Taekwondo. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But now it's time to see if he can put up a shut up. And here comes Larry Zabisco. He had fireworks. Because he had a match with Scott Hall. Oh, he's involved with a Scott Hall match. He was special guest referee. Halloween Havoc with Luger. Scott's out. He's still got a problem. And look at all the fireworks. Look how much money they must have spent on the fireworks for Larry Zabisco to come out here. Well, Lawrence was born in 1951 in Chicago, Illinois. 
Do you know the only thing I know about Lowe's Visco? His father-in-law's Vern Gagne. No, did not know that. He's married to Kathleen Gagne, whose dad is Vern. Um, he was trained by Bruno Sammartino. Or brought up he was Bruno. trained by, yep, um, Mongol as well, Guito Mongol. Yeah. Made his debut in 73 uh, as part of the World Wide Wrestling Federation, or the WWF. Uh, was there until 81. Did you know another fact about Larry Zabisco? His surname is the highest scoring name on Scrabble. Oh, was it? Yeah. I remember Zabisco. Now, I remember it because Bruno Sammartino chained him, and he, he turned his back on Bruno, and that turned into like a big feud in, I think, the early 80s. But I've never been a fan of Larry. But he has turned it a little bit for me. He has been quite entertaining. We've seen Larry's Nitros, haven't we, this year? So. Yeah, well, you know, he's... he's uh, Zabisco has feuded with Bugsy McGraw, Abdullah the Butcher, superstar Billy Graham. He's wrestled Killer Kowalski, Baron Mikel Sikuna. You know, he has been against the greats. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But something we'll learn. And Bret Hart, Making sure Eric Bischoff hasn't brought anything illegal in with him. He's got the kick pads on and the gloves as well. Bischoff looks in quite fair for a cruiserweight. I bet he's loving himself. And Zabisco there. I think he's coming out. It just looks like an old-style wrestler, you know? Did you know from 2000 to 2005, he was uh, wrestling on the independents? No. Uh, in 2006, he was at TNA. Fucking hell. Uh, back to the independent circuit, 2007 to 2012. Back in WWE to... Well, he's still in WWE now. Oh, well, fucking hell. Um, he's a regular on NXT tapings in Orlando. He's appeared at WrestleMania Access in recent years. And he was in the Hall of Fame 2015, where he's inducted by... Bruno Sammartino. So we've seen the early going. So the match has started... Uh, Bischoff was kind of going for jabs and Zabisco avoiding it. But isn't this a classical ta- uh, a classical case of kind of MMA fighter versus professional wrestler, Dan? Once the wrestler gets hold of the striker, that'll be all she wrote, won't it? I mean, this is what Zabisco's waiting for, his moment to take down Bischoff. Bischoff <laughs> won't be able to fight the defence, will he, of, of, of the attack of Zabisco? No. Bischoff's looking for a knockout kick. Oh, right hand there. I think Bischoff's just looking to stick a move at the moment. <laughs> but once uh, living legend Larry gets his hands on Eric Bischoff, I think it's going to be lights out for him. Uh, especially The funny thing is, we've got Scott Hall and Bret Hart, but they're not involved in the match. It's Bischoff and Zab- Zab- <laughs> Larry Zabisco. Yeah. And now Bischoff, oh, again, going for the strikes. Successful kick there. Zabisco might have some ring rust, and Bischoff taking a second out. But it's allowed to do it. Well, Scott Hall... Sending Bischoff to use some of your special karate skills. Bischoff again going for the strikes. Zabisco dodged it. And Bischoff has just knocked down Zabisco. The kick, it might be over. Brett Hart's not even checking it. Bischoff celebrating. Brett making sure Zabisco's okay. Rattled his cage. Oh. Runs straight towards Bischoff. And enough fucking about for Zabisco now. Drags Bischoff <laughs> down by his hair and makes him eat Matt. Oh, damn. That is, that is, that is just... True. Brett's stopping him now. And Brett breaking up, he's like, look, you know, you're doing a legal move for five, you're not allowed to. Brett wants to be the perfect referee in this. He's got Bischoff. Oh, he's got him in a sleeper. You can see how red Bischoff's nose is. <laughs> oh, Zabisco cuts out of it because Brett says it's a choke. Rolls him up, gets him in a head scissors. Oh, my word. Scott will say it's a choke. Bischoff's squealing. It's not, though. Zabisco to break it. 
Um, Brett said he'll call it right down the middle, but at the moment, coming down hard on Larry. Bischoff up. Oh. Bischoff down. <laughs> Bischoff's too stiff a worker. And now, Zabisco. What's illegal about this, Brett? Oh, he's got a right break. Credit to Eric Bischoff, and Brett makes sure he breaks it. And now Zabisco's going to break the leg of Eric Bischoff. Bischoff falls to the wafer thin mats outside. Into the waiting arms of uh, Scott Hall. Scott Hall's making sure his boss is okay. I forget he got laid out by the giant earlier, so he's probably finding his bearings. And oh, Zabisco's out here, and he throws Bischoff right to the ring post. But Bischoff needs to stay away from the ring post, Dan. He does. He doesn't need to get his face too close to it. Brett shouting at Zabisco. Bischoff taking his time on the outside. Bischoff's finally found his way back to his feet. A better referee would have counted him out, because he's certainly been out of the ring for longer than ten but Bret Hart only seems interested in counting Zabisco, which I think is a bit one-sided. Two else bad loses Zabisco because he's getting beaten now by Bischoff with the punches and a kick. Zabisco in serious trouble. Look at Bischoff just constant attacking him. Bret's making sure he's okay. Oh, huge kick to the face. Body shots, kicks to the face. Huge kicks. Oh, my God. Lefts and rights and the big left kicks. Zabisco's looking like he's in trouble. Oh, that caught him there in the knee, and referee might have to stop this in a minute. Zabisco can't fight out of can't fight out of this. Bischoff still with the punches, and Zabisco wanting Bischoff to come in. Maybe he's trying to get him punch drunk, a bit of rope a dope. Oh, but a big kick to the midsection from Zabisco. I think that counters all of Bischoff's kicks that he was doing. I think he's let Bischoff wear himself out. Catches him now. Oh, suplex from Zabisco. Now, surely... Don't call me Shirley. This is the end for Eric Bischoff. Oh! God, bounces <laughs> him headfirst into the turnbuckle. Swinging, neckbreaker. That was beautiful by Zabisco. He's not finished yet. Bischoff's trying to protect his head. And he's saying to Brett, he's going down now. Hanging him up in a tree of woe. Scott Hall looking to interfere. He gets punched down by Zabisco. Brett stopping Larry from getting involved. And Scott Hall now has got something out of his foot. Got something out of his pants and putting it... Put it on Bischoff's uh, kick pads. Don't know what it was. Oh, whatever it was, did not hit impact because that thing went flying. <laughs> and some unlucky fan's been knocked out by a big lump of metal. Uh, well, Zabisco's meant to be knocked out. They've sold it anyway. They have indeed. And Bischoff now, all he's got to do is go for the pin. <clears throat> but Bret Hart, does it look like he's buying it? I don't know. Scott Hall's there. Turn to get the count. Oh, Brett. Oh! Drops Bischoff with a big right hand. Scott Hall in there now is going to lay his hands on Brett Hart. Oh. Brett not giving, not taking any of it. Oh, inverted atomic drop to Scott Hall. Clotheslines him down. And that no fight clause has certainly gone out the window. Yeah, the fans seem to love it. Got him with a sharpshooter. Scott Hall's tapping out. Oh, my God, Bret Hart. The fans are absolutely loving it to their credit. A big Canadian flag has been unfurled in the front row. Scott Hall is tapping like a bitch. Oh, no, the NWO guys can help you now. And Larry Zabisco's got Eric Bischoff by the neck. <laughs> and he's choking him with his own taekwondo belt. I never thought I'd ever seen anything like this. Well, Bret Hart's here in WCW. And obviously, he's a fan of WCW over the NWO. And he raises Zabisco's hand. And he says, Zabisco's the winner. And Dylan keeps uh, Nitro. 
it's not in the NWO's hand. No, it's the NWO no longer part, well, no longer can take control of Nitro now. So it's a big win for Dubs the most confusing of circumstances here. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just more of an exhibition match of types, really. Yeah, I don't think it was too bad, I think. Well, it wasn't as bad as Bagwell versus Luger, come on. Oh, no, it wasn't as bad as that, yeah, come on. That's fair enough. And Bret Hart, quite entertaining in the end, but uh, still not sure uh, what it's about. I suppose we'll find out on Nitro as we go along, but that is that is it now. That's, that's that. We are one match away. There's a main event, the match that everybody has been waiting for. And we talk about build-up, Dan. This is quite unbelievable. So we know about Hogan and Sting. Sting's been chasing the NWO since coming up from the rafters last year. We've seen all sorts of fake Stings and everything like this. Uh, but now we're finally going to have it. And Dan, like we said, when was the match officially signed? The match between Hogan and Sting was officially signed and on October 28th, 1997, with a live, actually filmed the prior week, press conference at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. This aired on TNT during commercial break for the premiere of Hogan's new cable movie, Assault on Devil's Island. The success during a 4.2 cable rating. At the same time on the USA Network, the WWF ran a Survivor Series flashback show, which drew a 2.8 rating, with fans tuning in to finally see the Sting-Hogan bout signed. During a press conference, Hogan and Sting had a brief stare-down as Sting signed the contract without ever taking his eyes off the champion. On November the 10th edition of Nitro, Florida finally beat down Sting, with Hogan delivering several leg drops as the show came to a close. Sting then disappeared for a month with the NWO beating down the likes of The Giant, DDP, The Steiner Brothers and Larry Zbysko, and looking stronger than ever. Fly! <laughs> what do you think I'm doing, you twat? What are you doing? Fly! <laughs> For life. So, James, uh, this of course is for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Who was the first champion of what? WCW. Of Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> well, mean? why did I say this is for the WWE World Heavyweight what? Championship? WWE, NWA, WWE. Who was the first WWE champion? Ric Flair. Yes. Got yeah. Who was the final champion? Chris Jericho. Fucking hell. Who had the most reigns? Ric Flair. Woo! Who had the longest reign? Hogan. <laughs> God, just, you're fucking awful. We've just seen Hulk Hogan come out here, and now we're waiting for Sting. This 
match months in advance wasn't new to wrestling in the late 90s. Vince McMahon regularly and still to this day plants seeds for Wrestlemania throughout the calendar year and Starcade often served as a blow-off to long-term feuds. But for WCW under the Eric Bischoff regimen, the idea of long-term booking was a novel concept. Like Sir Kevin Nash, Scott Hall and namely Hulk Hogan had great control of the characters written into their contracts which made long-term booking planning almost impossible. Still, Bishop knew he had to make fans wait to see the match between the NWO leader Hogan and the revitalised Sting until WWE's biggest event of the year. The NWO had already either run through everyone else on the roster or turned them to join the black and white movement. This left Sting. A WCW star from its early days, having main evented 1989's Starcade opposite Ric Flair, was the only reputable foe to battle the NWO. But his white meat babyface persona at the time was growing stale. Hall, after watching the 1994 movie The Crow, gave Sting the idea to change his colourful look to a darker, more ominous appearance. The idea breathed new life into Sting's career and gave WSW the modern founder, the NWO. Sting came out to the ring on Monday night on September 16th, 1996, to deliver a promo that hinted at a drastic character change that was about to come. He said, I've carried the WSW banner and I've given my blood, my sweat and my tears for WSW. So for all of those fans out there and all the wrestlers and people that never doubted the Stinger, I will stand by you if you stand by me. But for all the people, all the commentators, all the wrestlers and all the best friends who did doubt me, you can stick it. From now on, I consider myself a free agent. But that doesn't mean you won't see the Stinger from time to time. I'm going to pop in when you least expect it. The times Sting would pop in over the next year and a half were the most thrilling moments on WCW programming. Sting stopped talking and wrestling, instead choosing to antagonise the NWO week after week in segments that helped build a story more than any promo or match ever could. The combination of the NWO's white-hot run atop WCW and Sting's mysteriously slow-burn approach made Hogan-Sting one of the most anticipated matches in pro wrestling history. That wait finally came to an end on December 28th, 1997 at Starcade. So Nick Patrick, referee here. We're going to get things started, but look at the crowd. So the bell rings finally and Hogan pushes Sting away. Will we see the NWO toppled here tonight? Throws his bandana right in Sting's face. Responds with a slap across Hogan's face. Will Nick Patrick be able to be a fair official in this match? Sting's not wrestled a long time. Do you think that's going to have any impact in this one, Dan? No. Hogan's doing what the uh, the crowd thinks than uh, what Sting actually thinks at the moment. 
But he's got to concentrate on this stinger. All dressed in black. Hogan doesn't want to be overconfident. I don't think we're going to be expecting a catch-can style wrestling. No. This, this is uh, lead of the NWO versus what is the last leader of WSW, I think you would say. Kind of the last Avenger here. There's so much pressure on Sting's shoulders. But if anybody could deliver, like I said, former WSW multiple-time champion, carried the company back in the early 90s. <sighs> yes, that test of strength didn't go well for Sting. I mean, Hogan with a quick kick to the midsection. And he's working over Sting. Back up in the corner with the right hands. Big clothesline in the corner to the Stinger. And a punch to the throat by Hogan and a rake to the back. Hogan with a kick to the midsection, poke to the eye. Is Hogan starting to get a bit of confidence in this match? I think, you know, he's been a bit afraid of Sting, so to speak. You know, uh, getting Sting coming down from the rafters, being surrounded by all the sting, Stingers in the mask. You know, not knowing what to expect from this uh, new revitalised Sting. Yeah, I think most definitely. I think this is Hogan's biggest threat. He knows it. And he goes for the elbow drop. Sting moves out of the way. Sting back to his feet. Drop kicks Hogan through the ring ropes. And Hogan's trying to get a bit of separation now. He needs to take a breath and gather his thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think right with Sting, we don't know what he's, he's been brewing it up, hasn't he, for a year and a half. Wanting to get his hands on Hogan. And he's, we're finally going to see it. And Sting... Like we said, with the pressure on him as well, we don't know what it's like. We don't know what this new Sting character is going to be like. We've seen him coming down from the rafters, but this is one-on-one at the moment. The only problem is we know the NWO doesn't always have a fair. I think all the WCW locker room are looking towards Sting to try and regain their WCW championship after it's been tarnished by Hogan. He's spray-painted NWO over it. You know, they want to try and get some uh, reputability back to the title as well. Exactly, you know, trying to get respect back. And make sure WSW is actually running the show instead of the NWO. And change things up here now, you know. The NWO has been dominant for a year. Since Sting's been away, they've been completely dominant. So it'd be nice to see things changing a little bit. Sting fighting back. Oh, and drop-kicking Hogan over the top rope. And uh, Hogan stumbling around, landing on his backside there out on the wafer-thin mats below. So would you say, arguably, NWO probably one of the best factions in wrestling yes i think without a shadow of a doubt you know look at what they did that actually helped the company didn't they WCW become successful and you could argue how many factions did that in the history of wrestling you know how many factions actually saved the company and made it mega successful you can't say many can you so this is why the nwo for all its faults what was so good you know and hogan playing the hill for the first time in his career the talent of nash and hall but you needed someone to go against him, and this is what makes Sting so perfect of a WSW guys here to fight the corner. And it's what everybody wants to see. They want to see WSW come out on top. Sting now, Sting on the side, headlock and Hogan. Oh, and Hogan trying to power out. Sting keeps him in it. And this has been a slow burner, would be fair to say, Dan. Yeah, I don't think it's built up to its uh, year and a half, 18 month long wait, to be fair. Mm. And Sting with a shoulder block to Hogan. Oh, Sting oh. trying to get a bit of steam, but Hogan getting an elbow. But I think is uh, Hogan again. He's paying more attention to the fans. Well, it seems easy for Hogan when he's in control. Sting only having like one offensive move done to him, and he's in a bit of trouble. But you got Wonder being away for so long has done that as he's going to get hit by a suplex now. But Sting bounces straight up to his feet. Hogan posing to the fans. 
Sting just told Hogan to suck it. Yep, and he's backing him up in the corner. Big lefts and rights, followed by a big kick, and a rake to the eyes. Oh, and and Hogan, Hogan responds with a poke to the eye of his own. Poke to the eye. Poke to the eye. And then the old style grabbing the head and punching it. <laughs> the old head grab and punch <laughs> yeah, from Hogan. The old head grabby punch, mate. The old head grabby punch punch. Yeah, and Sting thrown to the outside. Hogan go right after him. Uh-oh, Sting's in trouble. Oh, come on. Hogan just used Sting's baseball bat against him. Referee didn't see it. Come on, ref. Actually, don't, because if you disqualify Hogan, he keeps holding the title. Now, Hogan. Oh, throwing Sting into the ring post. Sting's real name? And Hogan saying, look at the T-shirt. Look at this T-shirt, Sting. You're nothing, Sting. And he drills him, and he nails him. And Sting's in big trouble on the outside. Hogan just laying waste to the Stinger. But the icon versus a franchise player, Hogan. Irish rip to Sting. Oh, Sting reverses it alone. Hogan goes flying into the barricade. Here comes Sting. Oh, oh. goes for a Sting, a splash on Hogan, but Hogan sidesteps it. Stinger hits nothing but the barricade. And now Hogan's saying, that's it, it's over. Well, he's got to get him back in the ring. Hogan's got him up, picks him up and puts him right down the barricade. Hogan with a punch knocking Sting down. Sting is in serious trouble here on the outside. Hogan breaking the count. He's not needed any NWO help here to get the advantage over Sting. Crowd's a little bit stunned, I would say, at the moment. Oh uh, Yeah, I don't think they quite know what to make of this. I mean, you know, it was all built up to be better than this, should I say? Well, but, you know, I, I'm aware Sting's definitely capable of uh, doing better than this. But, uh, Hogan? Well, maybe not Hogan, but, you know, the build-up. I'd expect say you know, Austin with a nation at the yeah. pay-per-view when he was destroying all of it. Something like that from Sting. We've seen it in the build-up. Yeah. I thought it'd be more like that, but it's it's more Hogan, isn't it? Taking just complete control. So, I think my favourite sign of the night has got to be Hogan, one word, Rogaine. Uh, Hogan taking down Sting. And now he's taunting the crowd. He's had time to do that throughout the match. Is he going to go for the leg drop? Here he comes, Hogan, leg drop, go for the pin, free count. Oh, but Bret Hart holding the ring, well, the bellman's not let, not letting him ring the bell. Yeah, but that was a normal pin cap. Let Patrick out to free. <clears throat> said, that's it, Bret Hart now. Bret saying it's a fast count, but it wasn't. Oh, Luke Patrick caught with the right hand. And he's done. What is going on here? Grabbing him by the hair. Throwing him back in the ring. And now Bret Hart. I think he can be an official because he's an official here tonight. Saying start it again. Sting's got Hogan. Irish whip. Stinger splash. Oh. Sting nearly went out of the ring with that. NWO members coming down. Buff Bagwell. And Scott Norton's out here. Scott Norton's there as well, yeah. Yep, Sting leaves him. Lays him there. Hogan, Irish whipped. Stinger splash. And now Hogan, and now Sting. A shout out to Brett, maybe. Well, Scorpion Deathlock. <laughs> he points at Brett. Say, make sure the mate, he's tapping out. Uh, Hogan, say no. Brett. Hogan didn't tap. <laughs> Brett's called it. That's got to be a Montreal jobby there. Well, the fans cheering, but not sure what's going on. 
And, and Lex Luger, his best friend, the giant, and, well, lots of other members of the locker room there that aren't Poe come out to congratulate Sting. All the guys that are watching as well. Yeah, like you said, public enemy there at ringside. Mortis in there. Everyone, bloody hell. Sting has the world championship. And that happened ever so quickly, didn't it? Everybody come out here in a matter of seconds. But what happened at the finish then? Nick Patrick didn't count a slow count. I don't think it was a slow, uh, a fast count. A fast count, sorry. And um, and uh, Brett saying that Sting winning. I mean, first, what do you think of the match? It's it's not quite what it was built up to be. I think I expected better from Sting. Hogan, you know, I've I've not really seen him in great great matches. To be fair, you know, Sting on the other hand, I think he's had some very very good matches. Well, I honestly don't know what I've just seen there. For what wow. was meant to be the biggest match, it was meant to have a clean finish, and it didn't. Is uh, is is quite extraordinary. But luckily, we have got information about it behind the scenes. Things were legitimately getting contentious between Hogan's camp and the camp for Sting. The initial plan was for Sting to beat Hogan cleanly and become WCW champion. The problem was Hogan felt that Sting wasn't in the best of the shape going into the match. And wouldn't look believable in beating him. Hulk was somewhat Hulk was somewhat correct, as Sting himself pointed out years later. He was becoming much like his gimmick. He was spiring out of control with his use of prescription painkillers and had developed such a superstar ego. Add to the fact that Sting hadn't wrestled inside the ring in well over a year, there were some legitimate concerns from Hogan. On the other side of that argument, however, Hogan had his own ego and held all the cards in his hand considering he had con- he had creative control over his character in his contract. There was no question that Hogan realised that losing to Sting was the best interest of WWE's prosperity. The issue for him was how to make it work for him and his character. The plan was for Hogan to actually ping Sting due to a fast count by referee Nick Patrick. There are rumours that Eric Bischoff tried to lure the WWF official... The ref in your face, but your screw job for the role of crooked referee that was turned down. After the fast count was made and Hogan seemingly retained the title, newly acquired Bret Hart would interject saying referee counted too fast and would start the match where Sting would win the title. Well, it seemed like a decent idea that would benefit everyone involved. But alas, that's not what happened. Firstly, Sting entered the ring down the ramp instead of his usual down... It reportedly confused some fans who questioned if that was really Sting or the much ballyhooed bogus NWO Sting. Secondly, if you rewatched the match in its entirety, you'd probably be shocked to see that the majority of the match was dominated by Hulk Hogan. That in itself was a huge mistake because after a year of waiting, this was the moment fans wanted to see. Sting kicking Hogan's ass all over the arena. Lastly, the planned screw job wasn't a screw job at all. Nick Patrick, who was supposed to make the quick three count on Sting, made a rather normal count on Sting's shoulders instead. That mistake made it look like Sting was just pinned cleanly instead of screwed. With the sellout crowd confused and perhaps disgusted, out came Brett to try and salvage the angle. However, instead of looking, uh, instead of Brett looking like a hero. He came off looking like a bitter man. Well, Sting applied the Scorpion Deathlock on Hogan and made matters worse as he really never tapped out but instead verbally submitted. 
That made the finish look even weaker. So what happened? Did Mick, Nick Patrick truly screw up or was he instructed to legitimately screw Sting? According to Eric Bischoff, he felt it was just a misunderstanding and he thought, and if he thought it was intentional, he would have fired Patrick on the spot. Nick Patrick, con- contented years later, he was, he was just mixed up and confused because he's being told different things about the finish from Bishop, Hogan, and Sting. I bet Hogan said, just count normal, brother. And Nick Patrick said, yes, do you know what I mean? Well, the pay-per-view numbers for the event were tremendous. It was a sold-out crowd of over 16,000 fans. The buy rate was a 1.9, which equates to roughly 686,824 buys. Understandably, Starcade 97 became the largest grossing pay-per-view in its history. It was the aftermath though that hurt the and set it back to where it never fully recovered. Bret Hart looked bitter, Sting looked weak, Hogan became a pariah and not in a good way. The WCW announcers looked like liars and fools for trying to convince fans that the count was indeed fast, it, even though it clearly was not. All right, so before we finish up, uh, let's just have a look back on the card then, Dan. Let's try and get some ratings for it. We're talking about, uh, first off, what did you think of the setting? What do you think of the, the, the actual, the, the coming down to the ring and what the ring looked like? What would you give that a five? Um, compared to other WCW events, I thought it looked a bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give it a two out of five. You give it two out of five. I'll give it a three out of five because I think, Still, at this time, WWE looked better than uh, the the WWF product. Uh, roster, who do you think? Who do you think? What do you think? WWE would think their roster out of five. Despite a few idiots, I think that it was very strong roster. Um, you know, you're missing a few notable faces like Mysterio, Jericho. Was Jericho? No, Jericho hadn't moved by then, has he? No, Jer- Jericho's still in WWE, but wasn't used on the pay-per-view, yeah. So. Uh, you know, Jericho, Booker T, there was a few notable missings. Uh, Nash, Big Show didn't wrestle, Hall didn't wrestle. So uh, I'm going to give that a free out. I think they used it to its fullest potential using all the wrestlers they could have had there. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you with that free out. I mean, we didn't see matches that we were scheduled to see. In the biggest show of the year, you don't do that. Do it any other pay-per-views, but don't do it to the show that's meant to be the biggest. What do you think the promos and the videos are coming into this? I mean, personally, I think we didn't get enough build-up videos, and plus the, the segments in between were just too long, weren't they? Uh, the segments in between were mainly talking and, you know, just people moaning. I, I wasn't really, you know, hooked. Even on the Hogan-Sting build-up, you know, it wasn't that great. No, exactly, yeah. So I'm going to give that a two out of five. Ooh, fucking hell. Uh... Right, move on to matches. So let's do the individual matches and then we'll get an overall score. So first match, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. What did you give that? I thought that was a great match. Uh, brilliant back and forth between the two. I gave that a four out of five. Yeah, I gave that a four out of five as well. Exactly the same. I think that's the best match. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to open things up. Next after that was Scott Norton, Vincent Kona versus the Steiners and Ray Trailer. Savage and the Steiners looked the best in this match. Uh, Trailer, Norton and Vincent, I think they were just bit parts. I gave that a three out of five. I gave it a three and a half out of five. I think I'm about being a little bit generous. Then we had Steve McMichael, Mongo versus Goldberg. In my opinion, that was not so much a wrestling match, more of a showcase of Goldberg. Uh, I gave that a two out of five. I think the only good thing was the ending. Even that seemed a bit botched. Yeah. I gave that a two and a half, uh, just because it was Goldberg, basically. Then we had Benoit versus Perry Saturn. 
Uh, well, this match turned it back up again. Uh, and even from the beginning, numbers was always against Benoit, so you knew that Saturn was definitely going to win one way or another. I gave that a three out of five. I gave that three and a half out of five. Um, I, I think, yeah, that's, for me, that's a, I thought that was quite a good match and wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of that. Then we had Lex Luger versus Buff Bagwell. Uh, that was far too long. Uh, Bagwell never sold a move. Ten minutes of the 15-minute match, we're in a sleeper. Yeah. Uh, I gave that a one and a half out of well, five. I, I gave that two out of five. So that is the worst match of the night. Unless the, one of the other matches can pull it off. We've got Kurt Henning versus DDP. Uh, it was a better match than the last few. Picked up the pace. I gave that a three out of five. Yeah, I gave that three and a half out of five. The same as uh, Benoit Saturn. Then we've got Zabisco versus Eric Bischoff. Um, for that match, I think the focus was mainly on Brett. And it was more of an exhibition match. I gave that a two and a half out of five. I gave that three out of five, uh, just because I thought the bit with Brett was entertaining. And then the main event, Sting versus Hulk Hogan. For majority of the match, I never had much idea what was going on. You know, again, as was mentioned earlier, it should have been a match where Sting wanted to get retribution for basically running WCW into the ground, wanting to get retribution on NWO for, you know, for the past year and a half. And it didn't even seem like that as well. You know, Hogan was in control most of the match. The ending was just awful. It was a f- normal pace count. Hogan didn't even tap. So I'm going to give that a two and a half out of five. Yeah, I'm going to give that two and a half out of five as well. I think the best part of that match was the build-up. Yeah, the whole and it's so disappointing because the thing that Earth did or will do, we'll see it at WrestleMania, the build-up, Austin, if Austin... Was if that was to happen to Steve Austin, you think, what the fuck are we getting behind this guy for? Is that the same with Sting? Don't matter that you got the title, it's the way you go about getting the title as well. Uh, so, Matchell and I, I think we can both agree uh, Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero. Most yeah? definitely, yeah. yeah. Matches, Dan, out of five overall, what would you give the matches? I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. Oh, you've been quite generous there, then. But only for what the matches could have been, not for... The matches that happened. Yeah. Well, that's the highest score you're giving to anything here. So the match slightly come through. Yeah, I gave two out of five for the matches. I think it's awful. Rating out of ten for Starcade 1997. For the overall feel of it, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Because, again, you know, if it weren't for the Guerrero Malenko match and the Benoit Saturn match, I, you know, it, it yeah. would have been just awful. Six out of ten. I, I think it was a terrible pay-per-view <laughs> that we had to watch. But uh, what what can I say? You know, it's uh, Starcade 1997 was supposed to be WF Death Nil. It was supposed to elevate Sting to higher icon status. It was meant to make Brett an instant WWE star. All of that was a plan. What everyone got was a train wreck that sadly WWE couldn't fully recover from. So what an awful way to end this podcast. We should say next week. We've got the WNR 135 Network Review for December. And also this month we have... Well, we've got the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. Smackdown presenting that. Jinder Mahal versus AJ Styles in the main event. We've got the Christmas special, which James is really looking forward to. This is what James wants for Christmas. He wants everyone to listen to the Christmas special. The WNR Awards. Who can miss that? And then, Dan, finally, at the end of the year, what we got? 
we have the New Year's Eve special, and that's what I want for Christmas. I want everyone to listen to that. <laughs> well, we'll bring you the year-end predictions. Who will win? Who will lose? Find out this month. Who will have to wear a T-shirt of their <laughs> victor's choice yes. and be made look like an idiot for the rest of the year? Who will it be? Don't worry, though. We will be back, of course, in the new year. With uh, the next event we've got in WWE vs WCW is the Royal Rumble 1998, which is a hell of an event. And I hear Mike Tyson might be showing up at some point. So we've got all that to look forward to. We've got the rest of WCW stuff. Uh, but that is it for today. Dan, final thoughts on this podcast. Starcade was shit. <laughs> That's it. So to let us know what you think of Starcade or to anything that we do on the WNR podcast... You can follow us on Twitter at WW Network Review or at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We've also got a friend on Twitter. Uh, yes, and our friend is Mini Chris Benoit and he's just trying to make the world a better place and he's at Mini Chris Benoit. We're also on other platforms, James. Yeah, across the Google platforms. Don't forget WW Net Review on Google Plus. Send us an email. It's WNRpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Facebook, you can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network review, or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. There are many other ways you can listen to us, James. Well, we're on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. Latest clips go up there, and podcasts go at the same time. They do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Don't forget, we're on Spreaker Radio. We've got our live shows, the January 27th and 28th, NXT TakeOver and the Royal Rumble. Also, Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there but next week it is the WWE Network review for December but until then I have been James Rollins and as always I was joined by Dan White thanks for listening bye bye bye